What's going on? This is the Saturday Down South podcast. I am Connor O'Gara. Will, about 12 hours after our last pod came out, we found out the news about Mike Leach's death. Um, while our thoughts are certainly with his family and loved ones, I got to say that seeing the outpouring of Leach stories all week and, and being able to kind of follow this has been, it's really been a joy. And it's been kind of... Uh, um, therapeutic in a way to see all these different people talking about all these great memories that they have of Mike Leach. And usually I, I'm a little bit turned off by some of that stuff because I think people use it for likes and retweets and stuff like that when somebody dies. But I think seeing the way that it's unfolded with Leach just reminded everybody, man, what an impact this guy had on college football. We've got a lot of Leach stuff that we're going to get to a bit. And I know we talked about Leach uh, the other day when he was, you know, it, it wasn't official yet. We didn't know the diagnosis, but I just kind of wanted to start with that because I, I, I don't know about you, but it felt very, um, very cleansing on the timeline to see all these great things about Leach. Yeah. Like cathartic for sure. And like, that's the thing is like, there's not really a bad Leach story. Like there's not like, like a boring Leach story. I mean, and so that's the thing like, if someone's using it for likes, it's like, yeah, one time I talked to Leach about like his pet possum. It's like everything he said was so golden that like, I'll hear all the stories about him. Whereas like, to your point, it's it's like the opposite of other people. It's like, oh, I had a brush with Harry Carey one time. It's like, yeah, but every time Leach talked, he gave something new to the person he was talking to. So it's all good. And that's that's what we like hearing about. It's it is interesting. And I was able to catch up with uh with Tim Couch and then uh and Errol Thompson the other day as well. And Errol Thompson, who was Leach's first captain at Mississippi State. Speaking of that, do you mind if I tell a quick Errol Thompson story? Um, for sure, man. Go for it. So okay, so Leach shows up at Mississippi State in 2020. And obviously first year there and Mississippi state players didn't really know what they were going to get from him. Didn't really know. All right. Is this guy disciplinarian? Like, how does he go about his business? Is he going to be somebody that's like more of a player's coach? And so the time comes where Leach has to name captains and it's captain with Leach because he names one captain and he tells Errol Thompson, Hey, you know, uh, I want you to be my captain. And uh, he's like, Oh, but by the way, I am bucking my trend of, as Errol Thompson said, I usually name the captain the smallest guy on the team. Or Errol Thompson was like, I think he told me last time it had something to do with Wheel of Fortune. And I'm like, what a minute, what? So you do a little bit of internet research and then you realize, oh yeah, back in 2016 when Leach was at Washington State, he named his captain a guy on on the team who was five nine running back who was on Wheel of Fortune, and he did really well, and he almost won the Showcase Showdown because he thought that was cool. He was like, you know, that's pretty. I, I want to talk about that some more. You're the captain, so we can hang out a little bit more. <laughs> so he tells him, really, this is all just about. We don't need a group to be captains. We don't need four people. We don't need an entire committee. We just need somebody that can win the coin toss. So, oh, that's, actually that's all really I care about. Cool. He's lucky. That's why he was the captain. Yeah. And this dude was really good at the coin toss. He won like, they won the coin toss like 23 times when he was captain. If you search his bio page, you can see literally like his record on coin tosses. They have it in there as Washington State bio page, which is just incredible to think of. So Errol Thompson's like sitting there. He's like, oh man, like what an honor. Like Leach decides that he's going to do this and he's going to, you know, give me the honor of, of being team captain. And what, what a cool thing that is. Oh, by the way, really quick, I should probably add who exactly that player was that, uh, that Leach, <laughs> that Leach decided to, to name captain. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Oh, I don't have it on my phone. I don't have this pulled up. It was Washington State player, but you can look it up. Look up okay. Mike Leach Wheel of Fortune. There's a clip the Wheel in there. of Fortune lad, as he was coming to know him from that photo. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, but essentially, he tells Arrow, like, okay, you got to win the coin toss for me. So before every single game, they would have like a five, 10 minute discussion about, you know, the coin toss and are we going to kick? Are we going to receive? Like, what are we going to do if we win the coin toss? And so this, this like was a real discussion that would happen for every game. And of course, Leach wants to pick to, to be able to receive. He's an offensive minded head coach. Errol Thompson, a linebacker is saying, I, you know, I want to kick it away. I'd rather, you know, we, we could start on defense first. Let's do that. And uh, it wasn't until he won two in a row, like two coin tosses in a row that Leach and, and in winning and winning efforts too. It had to be in a game that they won, of course. So they went two in a row and he's like, all right, Errol, you can decide. You can decide what we do. And that's how serious that Leach took something like the coin toss. And he found more value in that than actually naming, oh, captain, a leadership committee or something like that. It's like, that's really what this came down to. And Errol Thompson, you know, got the nice distinguish of being Mike Leach's first captain at Mississippi State. But just stuff like that. You're just like, nobody does this. <laughs> nobody does I, this. Yeah, I love that so much. And and. The one thing that the one thing that hit me it was like, wait, you know, Crabtree catch number one favorite Mike Leach memory. Number two, though, this is a story I've told on uh, figuring it out before. But like, <laughs> so his first his first game in Mississippi State was against LSU. It was that ridiculous game. I'll come back to that in a second. But the story I told was that we were installing a fridge that day, and it was before I was like co-hosting the podcast. And Brittany was like, whatever, I'm just going to install this fridge. I don't care if you help me, which is, you know, famous last words, right? If you're a guy in a relationship. Yeah, that's like, not good when you're uh, right. And, and my dumb self was like, we're playing, you know, we're ranked sixth. We're playing Mississippi State. This one should hopefully be under control by halftime. We've seen this offense before. No worries. I'll help you after halftime. And so in the third quarter of that game, fast forward, you know, we see the KJ Costello Heisman campaign. Easily the funniest. And LSU's had some funny losses, man. But that was easily the funniest LSU loss I've ever seen because both Bellini just looked lost on the sidelines. There were those crossing routes. It was like this SEC record for passing yards that I'm sure still stands because it was like 500-something yards. Oh, it was like 600-something, I think. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was like a number that was like, how did you even – I don't know if you could throw that against air, but that's yeah. pretty much what LSU's defense was that day. And I was just sitting there just screaming at my TV. In the background, Brittany is like basically like sawing, like shaving off part of our wall so the fridge could fit. And I'm like, can you please just wait? Like, can you just wait till this game is over? Like, I got to I gotta figure this out. We got to watch this. She's like, no, I don't care. So I'm seeing – these crossing routes just streak into the end zone for like, you know, the 40, whatever points they had. I was going to pick six in that game and still lost. And I was like, just living in the twilight zone. Cause I heard this grinding sound while I was watching that. I was just laughing hysterically. Cause I was like, all right, guess we're not any good. Like, I guess this is just what this is. And it's like, that was the funny thing about Leach's offense. That when it was cooking, it was so cooking. Like it was so unstoppable. I was sitting there going. And like I said, the Will Rogers took over what, like three games later. Like, I think, yeah, I think, it, I think it was a little, I want to say it was the Bama game that he took over officially. I could be wrong in that but i want to say it was a little bit later on but costello uh had his issues and then ultimately got hurt and gave way to will rogers yeah like that was the best part of it i was like talking to Brittany. she's like yeah is that quarterback still there's like no no he started like two or three more games we just got the best version of that quarterback that ever existed ever and it was like that was thanks to that offense and seeing like something that's like hey if you if you're not gonna cover this i'm gonna go to it over and over and over again i'll make you look silly and like yeah i i look back on that fondly even though in the moment it was a very grating memory 
Yeah, I'm sure at the time there's there's no LSU fan on planet Earth that's thinking, ah, you know what, Mike Leach just got to hand it to him. <laughs> it was rage at Bo Pelini. I was giving Mike Leach credit. I was like, look, I would throw to that too if it was wide open. I don't know. Yes, I don't. I didn't catch the Bo Pelini tribute to, to Mike Leach. Didn't see no, that. Yeah, uh, no, probably one that he's just gonna gonna stay away from. So many beautiful tributes though to the late coach, and we're gonna try and honor him here today with a few things. Matt Hayes is gonna join me in a bit for a conversation exclusively about Leach, and then Brian Stoltz is also gonna join us to talk about his unique relationships both with Leach and new Auburn coach Hugh Freeze. Then instead of figuring out or bold and brash, I asked members of the Saturday Down South podcast Facebook group to just share their favorite memories of of Mike Leach. So before we dig into everything and oh by the way we got a florida bowl game to talk about in just a second here but before we talk about everything so you know like 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 a lot of times when you when you're going home and you're with your in-laws or something like that you're with you know family and they'll give you that text of hey anything that you want to have in the house while while you're here right like you're going to Mm -hmm. see your parents you're going to see your in-laws whatever the case may be you gotta have texas pete on that list you just Mm -hmm. have to if, if they don't have Texas Pete, you're kind of missing out. And that's that's when you feel awkward. And you're like, ah, I'm not in my own home. My father-in-law is totally on board with that. He's always making sure that he's got Texas Pete ready to go. He knows that that's the way that, that I like to be able to wake up and have it with my eggs. He's a saint for doing that. Everybody should have Texas Pete just on tap no matter what. Shouldn't take you know, a text to, to your parents or your in-laws to say, hey, make sure that you have Texas Pete. They should just have it at all times. So that's that's mm-hmm. the way that I operate. The, the power move is you get the delivery to their house like the day before you pull up. And they're like, what's this? And it's like, just my Texas Pete. Don't worry about it. I got it covered. You don't got to yep. lift a finger. And people this time of year are getting so many packages left and right. They're not even going to notice that you have an entire box full of Texas Pete just ready to go. <laughs> like You're only going to be here for three days. What are you doing? For next time. Come on now. Yes. I'm coming back. Of course. Texas Pete is the spice and flavor that's kicking this football season up a notch. If you haven't tried the original hot sauce or their new traditional barbecue sauce, run, don't walk, grab yourself a bottle today. Visit TexasPete.com for recipes and hot apparel. Plus, take 20% off your entire order with promo code Saturday Down South. That is all caps, all one word, Saturday Down South. Win big with Texas Pete when you sauce like you mean it. Will Florida's playing in a bowl game. They exactly are. the way we thought, Connor. Wins over Utah. Lost to Vanderbilt, just the sick, exactly how they should have gotten to those wins. Man, I'm not, I'm not really a fan of the look. I, I love bowl season, I, I absolutely do, but I, I don't need SEC teams playing a week before Christmas. I don't need that. I don't, like, maybe, maybe that's a little bit high maintenance of me to say that, but I, I like having your MAC teams. You know, being able to to watch oh random Pac-12 team take on a, you know a Mountain West team or something. I know that's not necessarily like a bowl matchup that you get on an annual basis, but you get what I'm saying here. All right, well, it's like a meal, right? I mean, you start with your little appetizer stuff you don't really care about, and then you know you got your semifinal games on New Year's Eve, and then the dessert is the championship game. You know, you got the meat of the meal in those two semifinal games. And at the end, you're like, hey, this is a nice little toast at the end of the season. It is, you know, especially the post January first games are. That mm-hmm. that is that is really nice. That's, that's, that's also true. You, yeah, uh, that, that's when you're because you, you have those. I at least I do on January first when football ends that day. I'm like, oh my god, there's there's so few games left in the year. But then you're like, oh no, we still we, we got a few. We're good. We're good. Mm-hmm. We're gonna be able to make this work. So yes, Vegas, it's happening. First time the SEC team is playing in the Las Vegas Bowl. Uh, what a week for Vegas, by the way. Barry Odom goes out, hires Bobby Petrino to call plays at UNLV. How about that duo? <laughs> 
I want to see their coaching picture. Like, I just want to see those. What do you think the attire is going to be? <laughs> uh, I think you need to go with the Vegas theme somewhat. Vests and no shirts underneath is aggressive. That feels like too a little too much. You don't need to be that on brand mm-hmm. in Vegas. But uh, just something that kind of lets you know. Just, you know. Maybe maybe they're they're wearing something that's a little bit more you know dapper. I'm not saying you got to go full Wayne Newton, but you know something to to look the part in Vegas. I I assume Bobby Petrino will have no problem whatsoever fitting in Vegas. Probably a better fit for him out there than going to A and M. Which um, we were talking about this before we came on. I I think that was floated out there just to see what public reaction was going to be if a and were to hire somebody like Petrino and what that would look like with him back in the SEC. And you kind of see some of the public reaction. You're like, oh, yeah, that definitely wouldn't work with Jimbo Fisher and Bobby Petrino sharing an offense. That would end horribly, horribly. I was rooting um, so hard for Connor because I love chaos. You know, the same thing with Bo Pelini. I can laugh at my own team. I can laugh at your team. If you make a hire like that, I'm just like, yes, let's go. <laughs> yes, but a and did not do that. Didn't do that. Anyways. Back to this game. We're talking about football. Yeah, football. Mm-hmm. Football that's going to be played in Las Vegas on Saturday afternoon. Oregon State is a 10.5-point favorite. The over-under I have is 38 combined carries for Montreal Johnson and Trevor Etienne. If there's ever a game for Billy Napier, oh, man, if there's ever a game for him to just say, you know what, screw it. We're just going to ride it out with those two. This is it. I, I would have to think. You've got Jack Miller taking his first snaps at Florida. Mm-hmm. massive game for him after transferring from Ohio state. He hasn't been able to get out on the field in part because Anthony Richardson has stayed healthy in part because he also had that thumb injury that he was working through. My guess is that no matter how this plays out, Florida will be in the portal market for an Anthony Richardson replacement. But this is Miller's moment to make a stronger case for the starting job than anything that he can do in practice over the course of the next eight months. All right, this is this is your chance. You got to seize this moment if you're Jack Miller. Oregon State's 20th in the country against the run, but they're 60th in yards per carry allowed. So you can run on them. You definitely can. And you should run on them instead of asking Jack Miller to throw the football 25 times, not necessarily give in to the fact that Oregon State really, really struggles to get pressure on the quarterback because while that's an issue, they're also top 15 in the country in pass efficiency defense. So if Oregon State is loading the box, Billy Napier, just run the ball. Who cares? Run the ball. Trust that your guys are going to be able to win in the trenches. I would still trust Florida's offensive line instead of asking Miller to throw the football against an Oregon State defense who ranks in the top fourth nationally in interceptions. Does Florida have a chance? It's all Gator fans want to know. Do we have a chance against a top 15 team like this? Um, Sure. Bowl games are weird. They defy logic. They do. And especially now in this era of opt-outs and transfer portal stuff, there are going to be some results that just leave us scratching our heads and that's perfectly fine. And we don't have to come up with thought pieces to try and define all of them. If there's ever a year in which we should probably just treat the regular season for a, as a separate season and not necessarily come to conclusions based on, you know, what happens in the bowl season with conference supremacy and that entire thing, because you know that whatever power five conference has the better overall record is going to be tweeting about it. It's going to be bragging about it, even though it's really random. Maybe we just shouldn't. 
<laughs> Maybe we just shouldn't. I don't Especially know. Especially because like every conference is changing too. Like Pac-12 teams are going to the Big Ten, so it's like, who are you proud of at this point? Like, are there going to be Big Ten fans watching USC's bowl game? Like, let's go! Oh yeah, LA. <laughs> yes, definitely. There, those there guys have been be. those. The Big Ten guys have been pushing this agenda for like twenty years, and they finally kind of have like something. And like, I've never seen a group of people so excited. They just like, oh, we'll see. We've been right this whole time. It's like, all right, bro, relax. Like, does Caleb Williams count as a Big Ten Heisman? Some people are. That's asking. The same people are asking exactly. <laughs> Big Ten hasn't won a Heisman since what? Troy Smith? Yeah. Yeah. If you count that as a Heisman, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Shouldn't have even won that one. Um, I'm going to, I'm just going to say it'd be really dumb if I didn't at least listen to some logic, right? We, I can't just say every single bowl game, oh, this just random thing is going to happen. It's not going to make sense. And I'm just going to go against everything that, that, that the numbers and what everything on paper is telling me. I, I can't just do that for every game. Okay. I can't. Logic is that Florida is going to be without Anthony Richardson, Osiris Torrance, Ventro Miller, Justin Shorter. They're going to have some holes. They just are. If big old Desmond Watson doesn't stuff that Oregon State ground game, which is really versatile, if he's not able to just single-handedly take over, do his best Jalen Carter imitation, uh, Florida's in trouble. Okay, I, I think like run outside is the move because you have a Mack truck in the middle and not much on the outside. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know about linebacker play for Florida. I, uh, without, without Ventro Miller, that's uh, that's that's a massive question mark. Jonathan Smith, unlike Billy Napier does not let game flow dictate the offensive play calling. When Oregon State fell behind 31 to 10 against Oregon, they stuck with the ground game. Not many teams can pull off a 21 point comeback in a game in which they only complete six passes for 60 yards. That's hard to do. That's really hard to do. That's trust the process through and through right there. We love oh, that. Yeah. Well, you know how many times this year Oregon State has attempted more passes than runs? Oh man. I mean, you know what I'm gonna say four times. Um that's four too many. Zip zero zip in, nada. In 2022, like now in the, in, in the year of our Lord 2022, they have All not right, had man. a single game in which they have thrown more than they have run. And that's bad for Florida. That's bad. I think balance is overrated. I think that's something that we've talked about a lot this year about how uh, you it's one thing to have balance in production, but in terms of balance of usage, some teams strive for that when they really shouldn't. And you don't have to, and you have to be able to recognize what your strengths and weaknesses are. What's not overrated is having a true offensive identity. I think Oregon state has that. I think both teams should be able to run the football. And while I think Oregon state wins, I will go slightly against my logic and say that Florida gets a backdoor cover 31, 24, Oregon State wins. Oregon State trying for 10 wins in a top 15 finish, which is something that they haven't done since when, Will? I'm going to say like 08. Not a bad guess. Not a bad guess. 2000. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, few notable people on that team. Uh, Jonathan Smith was the quarterback, fittingly. Um, mm -hmm. Certain Ocho Cinco might have. I was about him. to say that must have been, yeah, Ocho Cinco. TJ Mama. Yeah. <laughs> All-time commercial. TJ Hushman's okay. on. I know I know what it's yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, but that was the last time. 2000 was the last time that, that Oregon State won 10 games, finished, and finished in the top 15 in the same season. And if Florida loses consecutive losing seasons for the first time since when, Will? Ooh, consecutive losing seasons? I you feel know like the answer, be... but you don't know the answer. I know the answer, but I don't know the answer. Uh, I'm going to say like early 2000s. Nope. 
I have to go a little bit further than that. A couple decades okay. earlier. Oh, they're like the eighties. Yeah. Jimmy Carter administration. Oh, okay. <laughs> I see. Yeah, no, that's uh, this man, this poor man, this Jimmy Carter is having his entire legacy destroyed in one college football season. All of the Jimmy Carter era records are seemingly being broken this year. I don't, I don't like it. It's rough. We don't, we don't, we don't applaud that. Hey, it'll be a new president next year. I, when we have to start talking about dated references to 21st century presidents, I'm going to hate that. I avoid that actively to not feel old. I can't do that. Okay. We, just, we, we can't, we, we keep it at Jimmy Carter because that's, that's before my lifetime. That's that, that happened forever ago. All right. Let's, that's, that's the new movie is like pre COVID. It's like, Oh yeah, dude, that happened like pre COVID. It was so long ago. It's like two years. basically. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like it's like an eternity. It's a different decade ago. Come on. Yeah, what are we talking about on, here? <laughs> so I was thinking about this. If the Vandy loss hadn't happened, which it did, Vandy loss happened. Good vibes still could have been up for grabs for Florida in this game. Just mm-hmm. up for grabs. Okay. Yeah. Bookend the season by beating a pair of top 15 teams, both from the Pac 12, ironically enough. Maybe Jack Miller looks really good. I think he's going to have to look really good if they're going to win this game. You go after a portal quarterback, you sign a top 10 recruiting class with Rashada coming in as your quarterback of the future. Good vibes could have been on the table. I think it would have been pretty similar to South Carolina last year with mm-hmm. losing a rivalry game to close the regular season, winning a bowl game as a pretty significant underdog, and then getting momentum heading into year two. But we know, and we're not going to let the results of this game dictate this. You cannot be the ultimate good vibes team if you lose to Vandy. So just how it goes. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this a little bit, but it is actually kind of well, I guess now that Utah has beat USC, it is it is pretty clearly Utah, but like the way they wrecked South Carolina right before South Carolina just started whooping these good teams. I feel like that's a pretty good win now. So they have like two really, really solid wins out of the six. Yeah. They could end with two wins against teams that finish in the top 15. Isn't that weird? Yes. Yeah. That's bizarre. actually crazy. Yeah. I mean, and I'm, I might be forgetting another one here. I don't think I am though, because AM obviously not going to finish anywhere near the top 15. Uh, mm-hmm. The USF win, USF team that won one game. Yeah. Um, yeah, no. And then Eastern Washington. Yeah, okay. All right. We're just, I mean, technically, if South Carolina wins their bowl game, they could they could end up there. I mean, that could be a third one. It could be Oregon State, South Carolina, and Utah. They could have three top 15 wins, weirdly. Oh, gosh. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, South Carolina's a, at 19. Like, some teams are going to lose above them. What a really good point. Yeah, that's a really good point. So, if they end up being top 15. Oh, no, because Oregon State's only going to get there if they beat Florida. Mm. So, then it's kind of that kind of mm, – can't can't have it both ways on that one, but nonetheless, there. they could have three wins against teams that finish in the top twenty-five. Which is there you go. That's I mean that's that's a win for Billy Napier, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. I think South Carolina is pr- still going to be the leader in the clubhouse for Ultimate Good Vibes team because this is good off-season vibes, not just good December vibes. Very mm-hmm. different. Um, I, I love the the Beamer firing back at the criticism that he got for the, for the OC hire with, with Dow Loggins and, and him coming out just like guns blazing in that presser Whew. Wednesday morning, man, Beamer had his coffee. He was maybe a little four loco. I, mm, that's back. a caffeinated lad that Beamer, he's, he's always ready to go on site. And um, look, it, and by the way, this is just a, a PSA for everybody right now. South Carolina fans included. Everyone's going to get portal guys. Um, I, I think we need to remember that. And we're so not used to the transfer portal window, the way that this has happened. Mm-hmm. And it feels like everybody is just losing people left and right. 
um, it feels like the sky is falling everywhere because uh, it's, it's a one-way street right now. And until guys take visits, they talk to coaches, it's going mm-hmm. to look like a one-way street. This process isn't as fluid as it was before without these transfer portal windows. So just keep that in mind if you're a fan that's thinking like your team is just crap in the bed right now. Things are falling apart. Just, just it's going to be okay. Take a deep breath. Yeah, I think the portal thing is uniquely slanderable, right? Like, because if you're an opposing fan base, this guy didn't even want to be there. But then, of course, if you get the other guy that comes in, it's like, unless you're getting like Caleb Williams or something, it's like, well, that guy couldn't cut it somewhere else. And so, like, it's it's impossible to, like, win the transfer PR battle because it's like, okay, yeah, we had these guys leaving. To your point, we get these other guys. But no opposing fan base is going to take the new guys seriously unless they're, like, five stars until they start playing. So, it's like, it's like just slander season for this whole transfer portal. I'm enjoying it. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you get some of these, some of the the small school guys. I, I'm really intrigued by the small school guys who get mm-hmm. big time opportunities. You know, Juice Wells. We're talking about South Carolina. He's a guy that you know Cyrus Torrance. I mean, arguably yeah. Florida's most valuable player this year was somebody who was was given a great opportunity to be able to go shine and make yourself some money at the at the next level, and you know, applaud guys who are able to take advantage of that. And some might say that's that's hurting the power structure of college football right now. But in the meantime, I think that's going to be of great benefit to a lot of teams in the SEC. So plan with this game is we'll recap it on Monday. Mm-hmm. Pod that we record on Monday. We will still have two pods next week and we'll talk a lot of bowl stuff as well. So before we kick it to Hold uh on, can I talk about that game real quick? Sorry. I was just, Oh I yeah was we like, got off the rails. My bad. I was Go like, ahead. yeah, we were talking about what it because there's like one game. But yeah, I just <laughs> want to say this. I think that like a tradition at Florida is like there's one guy or two guys that I want to see get the football more. And it's funny, right? Because I think it like Honestly, earnestly for me, I'm kind of like alone here, but like I actually really thought Cal Trask should have started earlier than he did, which is one of the dumbest takes I ever had at the time, but he turned out to be good. So I guess I was right. Not really. But point being, he was one of those guys. Uh, and then I feel like before Pitts' breakout year, I was like, get him the ball more. This guy's a freak. Then it was Anthony Richardson. Then it was, well, I guess then it was Damian Pierce Then and Anthony Richardson. And those guys, I was like, we could just get Richardson and Pierce out there, man. We got something. And now I feel like I'm there with ETN, where it's just like, if you guys, these guys are so fun. Could you just get these guys the ball? And so to your point, like, I think this could be a really uh, fun bowl game. Like, because both teams do have something to play for. To your Jack Miller point, it's like, Jack Miller, like, wants to win this job. Like, it's not oh, like yeah. he's just coasting. It's not like he's trying to get a send party. It's like, okay, like, they obviously... Uh, um, have the quarterback they just got lagway um they're gonna i mean they could be portal hunting this, no, this no 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 you're mind, right yeah. i mean that they might not even overlap but it's just kind of the thought of like no one's talking about jack miller you know what i'm saying like rashada like those are the guys you're talking about you're not talking about jack and, and they might get it might get a portal guy we don't know obviously but you know the, the, billy is always like he's being viewed as a quarterback guru is beneficial in that you never really have to find a quarterback, like especially in the portal era. There's always guys trying to line up and play for that type of coach. And so point being, if you're Jack Miller, it's like, hey, don't forget about me, guys. Like if yeah. I go out here and throw for, you know, 303 touchdowns, like maybe I could get like the, the lead on this job. And if another guy happens to come in, then I might be able to be like fend them off in camp. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's massive. And to your point, yeah, it's like this might be the thing where and like Anthony Richardson was like, obviously, he had a very fun career. It I feel like it left a little bit to be desired is that fair to definitely. say definitely fair to say i was i was asked how would you describe anthony richardson's career at florida and i, I said maddening just mm-hmm. maddening the potential that he showed maddening that i i think everybody and their mother can admit that he would have benefited more from developing but at the same time mm-hmm. when you have those tools you understand why a kid wanted to go to the nfl and what's being told to him is that he's going to have a chance to make a lot of money immediately so yeah i think maddening is an appropriate way to describe it yeah, I think when you have a quarterback like that, it's hard to really scheme an offense consistently because he trusts himself a lot. And that can be good, you know, at times. Like, you know, if you got 
Tim Tebow and he's just like, you know what? I got this one. I'm, I'm not running that play that you told me to. I'm going to go. But the thing about Richardson is partially was a victim of the coaching change and the talent, but partially, like I said, he just didn't ever really fully like exist within the scheme. And so we've really yet to see a full Billy Napier scheme because there was so much of it. Those Richardson just kind of doing his own thing, either taking off or hitting the guy deep or like missing a guy, like just whatever. Like if he would hit 20% more of those in rhythm throws that were, should be gimme throws, the offense would look totally different because then you could build off of that, but they could never set that base layer so i said all that to say jack miller might be a guy that you finally get to see billy napier's offense which is you know five six yards at a time dick and dunk and then boom big play and so we might actually get to see like the true debut of what could be to come for florida so i think that could be really interesting especially you're talking about etn but at the same time you have an oregon state team that's been down the dumps forever and this is like their dream season and they're yep. just like dude we're not losing the six and six florida so to your point it's like you, both teams could kind of win I, you know i hate being moral victory guys especially with florida but i do think this is like the team you build on because these are all Mullins players like pretty much I mean there might be a guy or two here or there but the, the, you're building for the future and you want to get a glimpse of what this team could be next year and have something to you know sell some hopium like you said like get it going and, and no one really expects you to beat Oregon State you know they're a 10 point favorite so point being Oregon State could win and not cover and it could feel like both teams just kind of like handshake all right good bowl game let's go enjoy Las Vegas here's a question potential Toby Keith game for Jack Miller I mean, that's well, the dream, right? That's like the Nussmeyer thing. It's like, what if, what if he just has like a 400-yard day? It's like, okay, well, there's our quarterback, I guess. A little hottie like me now. I, I'm just saying, like, for all the reasons that we kind of outlined right there and, and what Florida fans have felt frustration with watching Anthony Richardson and the droughts and the inconsistency that he has had in this offense, if you see a guy that just looks like he's – very prepared and you're like oh yeah this is somebody that spent his last three years working with the likes of brian day and billy napier mm -hmm. and it shows because we forget this is his third year of college like this, this is a, a guy who like a lot of other people would be talking about you know at his age of what what a former four-star can can do at this level and we'd be having a different conversation about him obviously if he had been able to get an opportunity but when you're behind the likes of cj stroud and kyle mccord at ohio state and you come mm -hmm. to florida and there's already anthony richardson there your opportunities are going to be limited but all of a sudden like what if this is the, that type of game for him I don't want to sit here and predict it because I think that's setting the bar a little bit too high, but that potential does exist. And this could end up being a, wow, we, we, we actually feel pretty good about this guy. And that sense of urgency to go out and get somebody from the portal might not be quite as high as what I'm currently projecting right now. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we both think moral victory for Florida. <laughs> that's I keep saying I hate them and yet I keep awarding them, yep. but that's college football, man. Like that's, you know, this is a bowl game. This doesn't exist in any other sport. So exactly, exactly. All right. Before we kick it to Matt and Brian, quick word from our friends at Underdog. So sports betting isn't legal. All these states like Georgia, Alabama, Florida, South Carolina, et cetera. Most of the SEC states. I want to talk to you about Underdog Fantasy. You might have tried Daily Fantasy in the past, but Underdog is a new platform that's extremely popular right now. And they have some awesome college football contests where you can compete for real money. It's a great way to scratch that sports betting itch. We have an exclusive agreement right now with Underdog. If you go to SaturdayDownSouth.com slash Underdog, you can automatically double your deposit when you join. Sign up, throw in 50 bucks, they'll throw in 50 more dollars. It's a great way to get some money to play on these contests. So what does it look like for college football? Every week you can pick higher or lower for different players. For example, over or under 200 passing yards for Jack Miller. I don't know if, that, if that's the exact number that they have right now. Um, get on underdog and, and check it out. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. 
but very similar to what we talk about with all of our preview pods with, you know, with props, with over-unders, you can put real money on the line. And yes, this is legal and live in states like Alabama, Georgia, Florida, Texas, et cetera. So I just looked at some higher lowers on underdog. Here are the ones I like for a little, little NFL action on Sunday. And I'm, I'm going to go with the Eagles because against the Bears defense, uh, yikes. Uh, we're hitting some overs with the skill players here. All right, we just are. A.J. Brown, over 71 and a half receiving yards. That feels too easy, almost like a trap. I don't know. that. That's too obvious here. <laughs> Watch the Bears defense get torched quite a bit this year. And then Miles Sanders, over the exact same number, but with rushing yards, 71 and a half rushing yards. It's that easy. I think I might have found my niche with this, by the way. I'm like surprisingly good. Indiana and the Bears, you're golden, bro. <laughs> yeah, right. Not bounce back games, but they are get right for me. Yes, they are. All right, that's it. Underdog is awesome. Super fun to do while you're watching college football or any other sport in your living room, and you can win some real money. Go to SaturdayDownSouth.com slash underdog. Take advantage of our promo where underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. $100 absolutely free. SaturdayDownSouth.com slash underdog. All right, let's kick it to our interviews and um, just a little cleanup here. Zach Arnett was named the full-time coach roughly two hours after I recorded with Matt, so just kind of keep that in mind. So first Matt, then Brian. Now excited to be joined by a very special guest. It is Matt Hayes. Matt, I usually like to touch on a million different things with you, but I think it's only fitting that we stick to Leech today. Um, you wrote a beautiful tribute on the pirate himself on SDS. Everybody should go read it. Matt, can you tell the story of when you called him back in 2005 to introduce yourself? So I was at Sporting News and I uh, was going out to Lubbock to do it, you know, a profile on him. So what I typically do with coaches or players I don't know is I'll call first, you know, set up something and call and just talk to them, just shoot the breeze a little bit and say, you know, here's who I am. You know, this is what I'd like to do. You know, your thoughts about it, blah, blah, blah. Right. So I call him and we're talking and literally not about football at all. There's nothing, no football. It was just where are you living? Oh, okay. You live in Orlando. So when I was in Orlando, you know, he just, boom, there it goes, you know, and it was awesome. I loved it. It was just, just, I always tell everybody, you know, people say, what kind of guy is he? And this is what I always say about anyone that asks me, if they ever ask me what kind of guy is A or what kind of guy is Connor or what kind of guy is Jim, or I'll always say he's a guy, if he's a good guy, you, the guy you want to have a beer with on your day off. He's a guy you want to have a beer with on your day off. So um, we're talking for like probably 30, 45 minutes, easy that long. Just again, not about football. Just about everything you could possibly imagine. At one time, we were talking about air travel and the safety of air travel. It, it was just cool, but it was just odd, right? And all of a sudden, I hear the toilet flush. And I was like, I wasn't going to say anything. And I interrupted. I said, Mike, was that a toilet? Did you just flush the toilet? He goes, yeah, uh, yeah. And I said, were you on the toilet? He goes, yeah, you know, the conversation was good, so uh, you know, I figured I didn't want to interrupt it. And we talked for another 10 minutes. <laughs> and then I went out there, and away we go. And I've known him since. And, uh, yeah, just just a great guy, a great dude. I mean, really more than a football coach. Just a fun guy to be around. Just a fun guy in his cargo shorts and T-shirt and flip-flops, and that's what he was. He's just just you and me, really, is what he was. What's your favorite leech story that um, either one that you've encountered over the years that you've seen, or maybe even one that you, you saw somebody kind of share on social media in these last couple of days? 
Uh, there's a lot of good ones. I mean, Bruce Feldman wrote a book with him, and Bruce has so many good stories about him. I mean, look at what Bruce wrote on, in the in the athletic his tribute to him. It's fantastic. Um, you know, I think really one of, honestly one of my favorite stories is the anecdote I led um, McCollum with a couple of days ago, where you know I knew I wanted to talk to him about it, and I hadn't seen anyone who had talked to him about it. This was three years ago. We we're in Pullman. And we were sitting out that whole day was fantastic, by the way, because I walked to work with him. Um, you know, he walked to work every day in Pullman, he, three and a half miles. He'd just go. And he just gave me all these anecdotes and stories. And you know, we talked about this cemetery and, you know, it was supposed to be haunted. And he said, no, no, I'm serious, man. Look, go, go online. Look it up. You'll be shocked. It's, you know, they, they took the they were like the founders of Pullman and they moved the headstones because they had to move the graves or, or they were thinking about moving the graves and they Stuck him in City Hall. And I was like, really? And he goes, yeah. And I, sure enough, I looked it up. And it's exactly what happened. And, you know, it, it's uh, so anyway, long story short, my favorite anecdote was probably like, I wanted to ask him about never playing college football because they're, you know, it's rare when you have football coaches never played the game. Um, and I asked him, it was so funny, man. <laughs> he reaches over on his desk and grabs his piece of paper and a pen he goes all right let me show you something and he starts x's and o and he goes all right you know you're here and you go here and you're here and you go here he's crossing routes of course he goes here and he goes here and this guy here he's got the ball yeah you throw it to the open guy okay there you're a football coach crumbles on the paper throws it at trash bin about six feet away nailed it (laughs) taking classic just so classic and that never got in the the story that i wrote from there because it was just it kind of just didn't fit because it was more about this this I'm telling you, Connor on the walk was just phenomenal. We start walking and we get near this old uh, theater, like a really old theater, this cute little strip in, in Pullman, which, by the way, Pullman is a great little college town. OK, so we're walking by this little and he, he looks at me, he goes, you know, that theater over there, it's haunted. I said, what are you talking about? He goes, yeah, it's haunted. I said, so this is now twice now. First, it's a cemetery. Now it's a theater. He goes, no, 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 really? He goes, you know, I go in there and get my coffee from the grill in there, which, by the way, coffee, he hated coffee. Right. But he drank it because it kept him, you know, a little, a little, you know, caffeinated, for lack of a better way of saying it. Um, you know, I go in there, I get my coffee from that girl, you know, and, you know, and she tells me, you know, it's, you know, it's haunted in there. And he goes, really? Well, I like, I'd like to go see that. And I said, so what happened? He goes, he goes, well, you know, she, uh, she said, well, I'll, I mean, I'll get the, the guy that owns it. He'll let you in, you, but I'm not going in there with you. And I said, oh, yeah? And he goes, yeah, yeah. He, he, that's what she said. So I said, all right, so what happened? So he said he went in there, and I said, well, did you see a ghost? And he goes, well, I'm not going to tell you if I did. And then that got <laughs> the whole ghost thing. Do you believe in ghosts? And then we started talking about ghosts. And then he started talking about atheists. And atheists started talking about how, you know, the Satanists, and you can't have Satan without God. And it, just classic. Just He just goes from one stream of thought to another stream of thought. And it's just who he is. He's just, he has such a huge, huge appetite. He did for, of learning, learning different people, different cultures, different ideas, different thoughts, um, just everything, anything you could imagine, you know, it's so far beyond sports, um, philosophy, music, arts, entertainment. You know, he's one of his favorite things to do was listen to, uh, Howard Stern, but not the Howard Stern show. Yeah, it's not that funny. He listened to the interviews because the interviews, he said, were great because Stern, of course, is a great interviewer and he always had good guests. 
you know, and so that would be the one thing he'd listen to. He was into that for like about a year when he was, when I saw him in Pullman, he said, yeah, about the last year I've been listening to these and yeah, it's just great stuff. Yeah. You know, he just, it's just everything with him, man. It was just so normal. It was just fun to be around him because he was really, he was really just genuine. Um, you know, one of the, one of the most insightful times was when he was talking about uh, Tyler Helinski, who was just, that just gutted him. And he never really, never really explained to everyone how badly it hurt him because I mean, everybody that I talked to about that, uh, Dave Emmerich, who was his confidant for years at Texas tech and Washington state, he's now at USC with Lincoln um, said Tyler Hinsky was literally Mike Leach jr. And, and they all make fun of the coaching community all those guys on the Leach tree about Dana Holerson. Now he's little Mike. But Dave said it's it was unreal how Tyler Hanscom. They were the same person. Everything, every they the way they talked, their dry wit, the way they were different, you know, it wasn't all about football. And it really hurt him. And I was shoot, we were in his office, I bet, Connor, maybe at it was probably close to midnight. We're just talking, shooting the bull. And, you know, there was a snowstorm coming and he's talking about, yeah, well, you know, it's you know, snow's not coming to Key West right now. You know, he loves he loved being in Key West. So right. um we're just talking. We start talking about Alinsky, and it was it was really revealing how, you know, he you could tell he was definitely hurt by that and definitely impacted by that more than what he went on. And you kind of, I kind of got an idea of, you know, again, once again, he's not a football coach. He's he's just a guy who is so much more than that, but use that as a way into the collective consciousness of of you know the world. That was his way of getting everybody to see him. And when you hear stuff like that, you realize that he's not just this robot. He wasn't just this person who lacked emotion, despite the fact that rarely did anybody ever hear him raise his voice. It was more right. of a, an exclaim. And he had, as Errol Thompson described it to me, he's he's like a mob boss in the way that he would kind of talk. But at the same <laughs> time, he still had these emotions that I, I think sometimes maybe – Maybe it just weren't natural for him to to express that he didn't want to necessarily come across as as that guy, and he always tried to be just himself and in his world and in in his element, and not be too consumed by it. And sometimes you you, you forget when you see these things. And what Holinsky's hope has become has been great to see Ryan Holinsky do such great things with the foundation and to be able to see that family honored. But his impact was so significant, and it's it's hard to really come up with any sort of comp in any sort of sport because it's all over the place. And I, I don't know that we tolerate coaches to be characters like Leach in the internet age. And what I mean by that is in some ways, like Leach, even though he was someone who thrived once Twitter video became a big thing, and then you could just cut up clips of his press conferences and they go viral and it was great. Right. Like at the same time, he became established before the internet really got going with college football and it, when, you know, he's really becoming who he is at Texas Tech, that's, you know, before obviously Twitter is is what it is and all those different things where, right. you know, all of a sudden everybody's got a platform. And, you know, when, when I talked to when I talked to Tim Couch, he told me, you know, Leach was absolutely himself before he got to Texas Tech. And when he was at Kentucky, like he was still Mike Leach, but right. the persona kind of came a little bit later. So, like, do we kind of do we like Harbaugh was maybe the last example of a guy who really tried to be like this unapologetic version of himself. 
And we kind of shunned that. And when he lost all those games to Ohio state, we just said, okay, you, you can't be this way anymore and get away with it. Like, do we need to maybe open up ourselves as a public? And maybe that's the way to honor Mike Leach is to allow these characters to exist in their realm and not be so quick to just pick them apart. If they aren't some national championship winning coach. No, that's, I mean, it's a, it's a great point. It's an absolutely great point. Um, Dane Holgerson's a perfect example of that. Um, just a, a, he's a lot like Leach and Dana, you see him and he seems more, he seems more committed and he seems more competitive. Um, if you didn't think Mike Leach was a giant competitor. So I, I don't know that that would be, you just, he just never showed it. Dana, I think shows it. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, I think it's a great point. Uh, it, it's a great point. It's, I think the thing is, is what, what people, what really struck, I think some people about Mike is he said the quiet things out loud, Connor. And I think that was an issue with a lot of people, but I, I don't, I don't mind that. I mean, if, if, you know, he's saying what he, what he feels and we should be more open, I think, to guys saying what they feel and what they believe instead of just jumping on them immediately and saying, no, you're wrong. And, you know, if, if he's wrong or if he's not wrong, how about having a, a discourse about it? A, a, a normal calm discourse. And I, I just don't know. I don't think that we're there yet right now, especially in this crazy social media world where literally if you say one thing that even remotely sounds like it's not in step with everybody else, you know, you're the big bad boogeyman now. It's hard. It's, it's really hard, especially with all the people you have to please. And, and it even felt like there was a little bit of this, um, especially after, you know, Leach had the the lynching tweet with the joke about that, or like very early on at Mississippi State, and even kind of then, they were. And I know this from the behind the scenes standpoint, they were a little bit selective in in his media availability. And like, all right, you get him at a press conference, something like that, great. That's when he's in his element. But he wasn't doing all these like one offs and stuff like that, as personable as that guy was. But just because there is that that fear that's there. But what I think is so refreshing to see as we look back on his legacy is. You know, I feel like in, in all these other lines of coaching, it's, well, did he win a title? Did did, did he get to a national championship? Right. Did, right. He, did he win a ring? And if he didn't, then ah, it's the yeah, but of his career. And what I never saw one time ever with Leach during this entire ordeal was, hey, you know, he didn't win a title. He never played for a national championship. And I think that's so refreshing because, you know, Anybody who knows college football knows that you don't do those things at Mississippi State and Texas Tech and Washington State. That's just not the way that it works. And I love that we in college football have this understanding of what it takes to elevate a program's floor. And I think he did that. Like, do you feel like that speaks to his legacy and that there's this consensus that Leach was never someone who underachieved? And that's kind of one of the things that makes him great. No, I think he, I agree. I think he overachieved actually is what he did at all three programs. And I mean, honestly, he redefined the passing game and, and, and he did, there's no other way to look at that. He, he, you know, it's funny because what he and how mummy devised and to this day, how will say, you know, that offense is leech. It's not me, but to what those two guys devised, you know, they called it a gimmick when it first got to college football in the late nineties, it was a gimmick. And then it was a gimmick, you know, when he got to Texas Tech, even though even though he was the offensive coordinator at Oklahoma, where they won a national title with it. Um, so it, it eventually developed. Not only here's the key, it developed in the high schools. So once the high school started running it, then eventually, year by year, 
then all of a sudden you've got all these quarterbacks and receivers that have run it. So now the court, the colleges have to recruit these guys who have been running this system and they play well in this system. And then the colleges get in and then more and more colleges do it. And then more and more colleges do it. And all of a sudden the NFL has got to draft these players that have been in this system, the receivers that have been in this system, the offensive linemen that have been in this system and blocked in this system. So now all of a sudden the NFL is changing and now there's principles of the air raid, if not the all out air raid all over the NFL. And that was always one of the funniest things. I remember talking to him about Anthony Gordon, who was his quarterback, I believe, in 18. I mean, the kid threw for like 5,800 yards and 56 touchdowns, and he had a cannon. And I remember saying, why? I asked him, why, why is the NFL, why is he not high on all these lists? This guy, as far as arm talent, he's got as good an arm talent as anyone. He's th- completing 70-some percent of his passes, and he and he was just like, uh, you know, they, they, they can't get over the offense. They can't get over the offense yet. This is so funny. He goes, they can't get over the offense. Yet I hear Chris Collinsworth on there raving about Andy Reid and his game, his play calling and that play. Look at that pass. And he's like, we did that 12 years ago, 15 years ago. But you know, that's kind of what it was about. It was, you know, it was this thing that no one talked about, this air raid. It was the it was the crazy uncle. Then all of a sudden, until the crazy uncle got smart and everybody's using the crazy uncle. And then all the kids are playing with it really well. And then you're really starting to see them develop. And now the NFL, literally, you look, Connor, every NFL game, you've got concepts and principles of what they're doing and what they did with the air raid way back with Mummy and, and Leach in Kentucky. And think about how different our football experiences would be being able to watch all these games if everybody was doing the same thing and if spacing still wasn't a thing in the same way. And yeah, there would have been other people and other people have developed passing concepts and whatnot, but just this premise of, of spacing. And that's the thing that it always comes down to. Um, and, and you are, you, you're seeing it everywhere. So help me out with this. I was trying to think if there are five people as influential in college football during the 21st century as Mike Leach, which is really hard. So I think I have three that I say with certainty, I'd probably put them ahead of Leach. And those three are Nick Saban, Jim Delaney, Mike's live. That's it. Uh, College sports or college football? Just college football. In the 21st century. Just 21st century college football. I yeah. would definitely say Spurrier when he, when he did it. I was so my other options, Sankey, Spurrier, Bobby Bowden, Sylvester Croom would be four that I think you could maybe make a case for, but those are the three only three that I would probably definitively put ahead of Leach in that category. I mean, as much as I hate to say this, because honestly, he's a turd, but you might have to put Urban there. Just by the way, just just by the way, honestly, by the way, he kind of meshed the spread in the run game, how it became this power downhill run game um, that everybody embraced and then everybody made better. Guys like Kendall, Art Bryles made even better. Um, yeah, it's you could put him in there, too, man. There, there's there's certainly a, a group, a handful of people where you're like, whoa, yeah, they they changed the game. Yeah, I mean, Delaney and Slive, obviously. Just, just for the structure of the sport alone. Yeah, and no, I was like, if you want to include media people, you could probably go with like Feinbaum, Corso, Herb Street, Keith Jackson would be probably that. But that—that's the list. I mean, that like yeah. the, he belongs in that company, which you can't just look at record. You can't just look at oh, you know, how, how many top ten finishes did he have? How many conference championships? Like he truly is in that group, and it's been kind of nice to see all of this outpouring 
of people sharing their connections and sharing the way that Mike Leach influenced their lives. I, I just don't think that always happens. It's one thing to respect a coach and to respect, right. you know, like a Joe Paterno before obviously all that stuff happens with him and people obviously had a great, you know, he had a great impact on so many people, but it's, it's a totally different thing when you talk about changing the way that we think about a, a specific sport. It's really, really hard to do that. So I'll yeah, give you one. I'll give you one real quick. Michael Vick. Really? Oh, if you want to go prior to that, Charlie Ward even, but Charlie didn't end up playing in the NFL. Those guys, all of a sudden, it was okay to go off schedule. It was okay to throw on the run. It was okay to run your quarterback and to have a guy that can throw as well. If you, you know, you if you could develop these dual threat guys, then suddenly you had something that really could hurt defenses because then they had to account for the quarterback in the run game. And then you saw it, it's just it's exploded. Now, obviously, it's what's what it's all about now, but it, Think about that. And literally, so so Vic was there in 98, 99, 2000, right? I think those three years. They played right in the national championship the first week of 2000. 2000. Somewhere around there, right. So you you think about that from there to now. That's 20, 22 years. In 22 years, the quarterback position has changed completely. Yeah. Probably 180 degrees. Think about yeah. that. Yeah, those are good. Those are those are really good. Yeah, Vic, because I was I was gonna say, like, oh, if you're including individual players, would you include like a Tebow or a Cam Newton? And it's like, ah, yeah. you know what? I don't know that they necessarily like Tebow. It wasn't like we saw a bunch of copycat Tebows, and that's that's all it is. But that that point about Vic is is I think worth remembering of the the off-platform throws and how we now are just like, if you can't throw off platform. Not only do you not really have an NFL ceiling, but you don't really have a power five starting path. I mean, you have to be able right. to do that to some extent. So yeah, that's a good one. I like that. Okay. Uh, let's close you out here with um, a suggestion. Suggestion. Two right. things I'd like to see. You tell me how realistic this is. I want to see one Mississippi State embrace a full-time pirate mascot. If Auburn can have two mascots, pretty good. why can't Mississippi State? You know, just saying. And then... Also, Wait, I would what do you look, call the what do you call the pirate mascot? It's a good do you question. Call him pirate, because Leech is the pirate. Yeah, can just you call him the pirate. Who's there for what? How many years is he there? Three. It's three years, Four. but it's it's more yeah. about the bigger picture college football um, way to honor him because you can't really have Texas Tech probably go back and do that, especially with the lawsuit stuff and the way that that played out with, you know, Craig right. James and all that, but you probably can't do that if you're Washington state. Cause it's like, all right, he left your program. You feel fondly about the time that he spent there, but Mississippi state's probably the only ones in position that could pull off a move. Like I that. have a great, I have even better idea. You ready for this? This is going to work. I think, you know, Ohio state has the Buckeyes. Mississippi state could just use like a pirate. The there guy. we go. There it is. That's going crossbones. There you go. Because that way you don't have Just to change your marketing. Every good place, skull and crossbones. Yeah. And you don't have to all of a sudden do, you know, it's not like you're changing your entire helmet. You could have that that as an alternate helmet or something like that. Fans would get so fired up when you bring it out. But the, yeah, like the Buckeye type look on the helmet. That, okay, that works. Zach Garnett about that, by the way. That's okay. So that's, that's my <laughs> other question. Zach Garnett, do you, I would like to see him named full-time coach, pay him 3 million bucks. He's still getting his contract doubled if, if you could, and then you go to TCU, you get Garrett Riley and you keep the air raid moving on. And I know Garrett Riley's going to have a market. He's absolutely going to have a market. Hopefully he's not accepted a job by the time that this podcast comes out, you keep it within the air raid family. You pay him $2 million a year, which 
Look, that's still an upgrade. He gets autonomy of the offense. He doesn't have autonomy of the offense with Sonny Dykes, of course, a, a Leach disciple himself. And you right. pay that combined salary of what Leach was making, five and a half million bucks, whatever it was, keep it with Arnett, keep it with, with Riley, and boom, you're off and running. Yeah, I, I would love to see Arnett be elevated because I, I think he's a terrific coach, and he's a he's a hot young coach too. Um, I don't know if you're going to get Garrett Riley, man. I, I don't know that he's going to leave. I think his next leave is a head coach. And TCU will pay whatever Mississippi State wants to pay for OC. Um, now, if you want to get, if you want to stay in the leech tree, how about Seth Luttrell? Oh, that's good. Okay, that's that's a that's a that's an easy get for them. Um, it'd be a fun a fun play. He come back through. Um, it's a great way for him to kind of you know re-energize his coaching career. And there, and, and away you go. You're still running the same system. Yeah, I think that's there's the, that and that's the beauty of what Leach has done is that there are so many different, you know, air raid disciples, so to speak. Right. That I mean, even you know, Auburn just hired one in, in Philip Montgomery, and you know, you, you have somebody that understands the, these concepts, and there's there should be no shortage of people to be able to make that transition because you overhaul the roster too. Like you've overhauled the roster to be able to run that air raid, so it makes sense from that standpoint. Um, but yeah, which, okay. So which one of those is more realistic that I threw out there, the, the Garrett Riley thing, or they get an alternate mascot and it's a pirate. I don't know if you're going to get an alternate mascot. Mm. I think my helmet sticker might be, might be more appropriate. Um, well, I mean, which is, which likelier to happen. I don't think either one's going to happen, but probably Riley (laughs) of the two. (laughs) Even for like, just like, you know, the bowl game to have like the pirate mascot would be really cool. Like if the Bucks pirate, they like got him on loan for one game and he ran out of the tunnel with them. That'd be really cool. They're already there. Might as well. Right. Yeah. Might as well. Yeah. Hey, it's more likely than Alabama going to the playoff. Yeah. So right. say. <laughs> yeah, you're the best man. We'll talk soon. All right, brother. Thank you. Now excited to be joined by a very special guest. It is my guy, Brian Stoltz. Brian covers Auburn for rivals before that covered all things Auburn, all things SEC, really, for Saturday Down South. Um, in fact, I was just reading one of your SDS columns this morning. Very, very topical. Uh, I do want to dig into a ton of Hugh Free stuff with you, and uh, we, we definitely will. But let's start with what you wrote a few years ago, Mike Leach, the three days that you spent with him at the Cheez-It Bowl right before he decides to to leave for Mississippi state. Tell me how you, how you were able to kind of make that whole story happen and what you were able to take away from that. Well, I uh, took a job with two, four, seven, uh, covering Wazoo, uh, in 2018. Um, turned out that my boss and Leach, uh, had a feud. And, uh, when I got out there, I found out that hmm, Leach isn't going to answer any of my questions. Neither is his assistants, neither is stuff like that, but he felt bad for me. It was nothing personal. It was, uh, between him and my boss. And uh, for I stood I withstood it for like two months, and I'm like I, I gotta get out, get out of here. I gotta get out of here badly, but um both professionally and personally. But um yeah, I mean we we stayed in touch. He was always encouraging. He was always uh uh very nice to me. He was always uh, uh going to bat for me for like other jobs and things like that. So and when I worked for Saturday Down South, and then I wrote a little bit about Mississippi State, he would uh, always answer my calls. Always uh be nice enough to you know uh answer my question and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, like we would have late night conversations about anything and everything. And he said, Hey, one night he was like, we're, we're planning a cheese bowl. What, 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 come down here. I'll give you three days full access. I said, Oh, really? I said, yeah. He said, yeah, it's kind of a payback for everything that happened in 2018. So I did that and I got to sit in the quarterback meetings and 
uh, follow him around for three days and didn't know that he was going to leave Washington State after that game and go to Mississippi State. But, uh, yeah, it was an experience uh, that was great and um, glad that I uh, got a ride for Saturday down south. And, uh, uh, yeah, just following him around for three days, getting to know him uh, on a personal level, uh, seeing how he interacts with the team, how he interacts in meetings, uh, interacts with his coaches. Uh, it was just wonderful. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he became a friend and he's going to be missed. It's kind of crazy what kind of perspective you get in those situations mm -hmm. and spending three days with a coach like that when you're fortunate enough to kind of get some of these behind the scenes opportunities, which I've only, you know, been able to do that like a couple of times here and there with, with some of these coaches, you kind of get to see like how their interactions are with just like regular people and when they're not in. And, and they kind of forget that you're there a little bit, which is, which is strange, but Leach is the ultimate, I'm the same guy, no matter what, like the camera comes on, like nothing really changes. So you probably had these moments where you're like, wait, does he, does he know, like, is there some sort of filter here? Is this on the record? Is this off the record? And it probably felt like everything he was saying and doing was just Mike Leach. So it was going to be on the record. Oh, it was just Mike Leach. I mean, it was it was everything from he interrupted the quarterback meeting for like five minutes and just started answering me, asking me questions. He's like, "Isn't the first Hooters from Fort Myers or something like that?" I'm Clearwater. Like, yeah, clear. And he's like, "I'm like, what is what's going on?" His quarterbacks are looking at me like, "Who is this guy?" And uh, we argued about the Waffle House versus In and Out Burger and stuff like that. So uh, yeah, I mean, everything was everything was just. I mean, like you said, Mike Leach, there was no filter. I mean, if you didn't like what he said, he didn't care. If you didn't like him, he didn't care. Uh, there was no, there was no uh, uh, hidden, hidden meaning behind him. I mean, hidden facts were hidden emotions, I should say, because he, he was who he was. And uh, I think that's what everyone really enjoyed about him was that he was the same off the field as he was on it, same in front of the camera as he was off of it. And uh, yeah, it was just, uh, it was a joy to get to know him. True or false. He went to Mississippi state because they had a lot of waffle houses. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, uh, that was a weird, that was a, that was a strange hire. I thought by Mississippi state, but John Cohen kind of went out of his way to hire him. And uh, I never thought he would uh, take a job in the sec. I thought he enjoyed Washington state, but um Maybe it was a challenge. Maybe it was a, uh, a different, different, you know, different challenge for him and stuff like that. And you know, he did well there. I mean, they they won the Egg Bowl this year, and um, yeah, I think uh, the program was in good hands under him. But yeah, you know, I think Waffle House maybe had something to do with it. A little bit, of course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love how every story that involves like hiring Leach is going out to to Key West and yeah. being able to give him the pitch. Like even Bill Moose when he got him out from Washington State and was like pulling him out. You know, he's like, "Hey, come do this." You know, he had the Texas Tech fallout with with the way that that whole thing played out there, and like, and then he's like, "Oh yeah, you just you, you just show up." And and so many reporters like had stories of like going to just hang out with Leach in Key yeah. West, like what 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 a day was like being able to 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 spend with him. Uh, what was the story? about you talking with him in a bathroom for an hour? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I was working a late shift for uh, Major League Baseball at the time in New York, and uh, I was getting off work at 2 a.m. or something like that. So I, I, I could walk to work, so I walked past my local bar where my buddies, that my buddies own and stopped by and had a couple of beers, and I get a phone call at 2.30 a.m., and it's him. 
um, when he was at Washington State because it's, you know, three hours difference and he's walking home from work. And I go into the bathroom because it was kind of loud in the bar and I'm in there for like an hour and we're discussing everything. We're discussing coyotes. We're discussing fentanyl, the fentanyl problem, uh, opioids, opioids, opioids. Yeah, yeah. I can't even say it. Um, uh, stuff like that. And, uh, um, yeah, we're discussing everything. My buddy who was bartending thought I'd fallen asleep in the bathroom. So he came <laughs> in and checked on me. I'm like, no, I'm on the phone. He's like, okay, that's weird, but okay. I had to explain who I was talking to. And, um, yeah, he kept me on the phone for like an hour. I'm, my buddy was like, are you all right? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, it's just a phone call. Because who doesn't on their way home from work, you know, yeah. like what, 1130, I guess that was. Cause he was, he was a night person very much. Like he wasn't going to yeah. be an early morning type person. He became known for these late night staff meetings that he would yeah. have. And who, who doesn't, you know, when they're walking home from work, because that's what Leach did yeah. call, call up a reporter on the other side of the country. And just, just talk with him for an hour. Like that's just, yeah, I know it's second to none. And I don't, I don't know the word. Yeah. Know it was just out of the blue. I'm like, all right, this is this is random, but okay. All yeah, right. yeah, yeah. It was just uh, one of those moments where you're like, all right, that's a leash for you. Throwback guy through and through, and uh, yes, his his style. I don't I don't know that we're gonna see anybody that yeah. that's quite like that, and in, in the way that he approached all things media and, and access and, and talking to just people like they were human beings. It is uh, it's few and far between. Okay, that, yeah. So I, I want to I wanted to get into your um, your coverage of, of Hugh Freeze and 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 how all of this has played out because it's no secret that like you guys are friends. I mean, yeah. you you guys are close. You've developed a relationship o- over the yeah. years, and I mean, like close to the point where when Auburn has a bye week, you go up to Liberty to go mm-hmm. spend time with him. Yeah. Um, I, unlike the previous regime, I don't think anybody can ever accuse you of being anti-Auburn with how this has played out with Auburn hiring your guy, Hugh Freeze. Uh, no, I mean, uh, you know, I, I went to Auburn, graduated from Auburn, proud of Auburn alum. Uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm so happy for the guy. You know, I got to know him, you know, sort of like with Leach. I mean, we, you know, I'm not as close with, I wasn't as close with Leach as I am with Hugh, but uh, uh, yeah, I, he, he deserved a second chance. He, he served his penance. He served his time. And, uh, you know, what he did at Liberty was great. I think um, uh, he, he wants to be here. I know he wants to be here. He wanted this job. Um, I think he's, you know, hit the ground running. I mean, they've already gotten, they've already flipped two guys, I think, yesterday, uh, recruiting-wise, where the previous regime, I mean, they, I don't even know if they, they can spell recruiting. And, uh, I mean, it's honest, but uh, true. Um but yeah, I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be difficult. Uh, you know, when I have to criticize him, will I? Absolutely. I mean, that's just my job. I will be objective. I, you know, I, I said on our message board, a lot of people are like, "Oh, you're gonna be able to do this." I'm like, "Yeah." I mean, I, it's, it's my job, and he understands that. I understand his job. So, um, yeah, I, I'm just proud of him. Um, after the after the press conference, we kind of shared a moment, hugged, said we loved each other, and then it was back to reporter Brian and coach freeze. So, um, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be difficult and it's going to be weird, but, uh, at the same time, um, very happy for Auburn. I think he'll do great here. I think, uh, he'll turn around this program very quickly. Uh, I like the coaching staff he's putting together and I think he's the uh, right fit for Auburn at this time. Okay. So you, you will have to balance out the coverage with the occasional yes. jab just so that people aren't like, Hey, he lacks all credibility. He's just yeah. carrying his water. So I'll give you the form right now. Just say something negative about Hugh freeze. 
His golf swing is ugly. <laughs> golf swing is ugly. Uh, let's see what else. He can be impatient. He can be impatient. One time he got mad at us because we ordered hot subs at Jersey Mike's. So we he didn't have no time for that. Um, they're quick. What's he? Was he like quick. Danny yeah. DeVito sitting there at yeah. the end of the line doing the the chomping and all that stuff? I I have no idea what happened there. But uh, yeah, I, I, that and uh, what else? Oh man, he gets mad if you. Uh, he gets really mad if you. Uh, text him during a golf tournament because he's he tivos it or dvrs it and he doesn't watch it until later and so if you're texting him during a golf tournament like oh what a shot he's like tivo i don't know if tivo still exists but yeah he, gets, he does yeah he gets really mad about that so i screw with him especially during nascar i don't even watch nascar so i'll be like did you see that wreck I, i'm not even watching the race and like he'll respond tivo i'm like dude i'm not even watching this yeah so, uh <laughs> Yeah, but his, I will say his golf swing is really ugly, but he still kicks my butt in it. So um, it, it's ugly, but it gets, it gets the job done. I think the way that you approach this is kind of like what uh, Chris Lowe is to Nick Saban, which is yeah. whenever whenever Saban needs to tell the entire college football world, recruits, mm-hmm. current players, you know, everybody – that he doesn't feel like retiring anytime soon. He calls up Chris Lowe. They sit down in his office, probably share a couple little Debbies. They have their oatmeal cream pies. They discuss, here's how we're going to get this message out to the world. And then don't you know it, two days later, there's a story on ESPN.com about how Nick Saban feels younger than he's ever felt in his entire career. You can be that for Hugh Freeze. That's a yeah. very pivotal role. It is a very pivotal role, and I'm going to take it seriously. I mean, uh, I've had discussions with my boss and, you know, Will I get some inside info? Maybe. If not, you know, it's not the biggest thing. But, you know, I, I will sit down with him. I will, you know, have dinner with him every now and then and just pop into his office and stuff like that. And I uh, just talk to him. I mean, it, whether it's a, on a reporter role or a friend role, uh, you know, it'll, it'll, he'll decide that. We'll decide that. But um, at the same time, you know, Chris Lowe does do that with Nick Saban. And that, that would be a great role that I think I could fill for, you know, Hugh and stuff like that. And, um but we'll decide it. We'll decide uh, if he likes my coverage or not, because uh, um, he might get mad at me every now and then. Okay. So this is, I'll, I'll keep you honest. Then this is how this will work. If you write something that's too pro freeze, I will then keep you honest and then oh, criticize absolutely. you. So then we're getting the balance coverage. Yeah. It's just a little bit more secondhand. Yeah. I mean, you can be like, you can call me out anytime. I mean, I'm used to that. Uh, so if I write anything, oh, he's the greatest coach in Auburn history. Uh, how did we not hire him earlier? Stuff like that. Oh, absolutely call me out. I'm not going to do that. But uh, uh, if I do get a little uh, over the line, you can, you can, you can, you can call me out. I, I, I'll, I'll rein you in. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, you can ring me in. You can be my uh, pull, the coach that pulls me back off the sideline. Your holdback guy. Yeah, yeah like Brian. Brian, we, we we can't be saying that Hugh Freeze is going to win an SEC championship in year one. Let's 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 back yeah. off the takes. Let's let's hold let's hold off. Wait, see, I'm thinking Natty. Come on, now. <laughs> <laughs> like okay. Jokes aside, I, I I share my feelings on what could ultimately be Freeze's undoing at Auburn, and yeah. it's not oh you know is he going to call an escort service or anything like that. Yeah. It's it's his decision making 
on all of those things that are outside the lines, right? And how he approaches that. And if he's able to, to see the way that his actions impact other people and, and having a true understanding of that is important, not just because you want to win public approval, but because you have a job to do as a public university employee Absolutely. who's being paid millions of dollars. What sense do you get about his approach to all of those decisions? Uh, I, I think they'll, they'll be fine. I think, um, I think he's learned his lesson. I think even going back to July when those direct messages got out, no matter what you say, you know, I did have a 30 minute conversation or something with him when that came out and kind of cursed him out a little bit. And, um, you know, as my, as my role as his Twitter official, uh, Twitter, uh, security or Twitter, uh, police. Um, but I think, I think he understands what goes in the role. I think, he admits that he was a little over his head during his first time in the SEC at Ole Miss. I think uh, he let things get out of control. I think he's more. I think he's more involved now in what goes on during the entire operations during the entire uh, process of the football program. And as far as I mean, as far as networking and doing what uh, the alumni things and stuff like that that you met. I mean, the best thing that ever happened was two weeks ago, like three days after he took the job. 150 high school coaches from the state of Alabama were in uh, a bar or a restaurant because uh, the state finals were taking place here. And uh, he, him and his staff came and visited. And he spent a minute with every coach and said hello. And that's going to be ma- making a lot of romance with uh, um, what happened with the last regime, which right. you know, they, they, they burned some bridges there. But I've, I think he'll have more control of what – happens i think he'll you know it's still a learning process coming to auburn because auburn can be auburn as we all know and um but i think as far as a man as far as a coach i think he's in a much better place than he was you know even 10 years ago when he was at old miss how quick was cadillac to stay on board with hugh freeze Hugh said that it was his first priority uh and i and i totally believe that he said he would he, he Hugh said he would he would have begged and pleaded for Cadillac to stay on um, the uh, staff because he knows he how much Cadillac means to Auburn. He knows how much Auburn fans love him. Most of all, how good of a recruiter he is. And he's becoming a very, very good coach. I mean, as we saw during the last four weeks, there was a renewed energy in this um, Auburn football team. And uh, he he brings it every day. He, he's a great communicator even though he has that southern accent that sometimes it's hard to kind of uh uh recognize what he says but he is such a good communicator with the kids he's a great recruiter uh he means a lot to auburn and i think he's he made it made a top priority to keep him on the staff because i think he thought it was the smartest thing to do and do you think cadillac was dead set on that and and it was going to be no matter what no matter who they hired, he was going to be on board, or was he kind of waiting on who exactly that person was going to be and then making that decision? I don't think he, he was dead set on it. I, I think it, it mattered on who was hired. I, I, you know, if it had been somebody else, like maybe Lane Kiffin or something like that, uh, maybe not. Uh, I, I can't say that for sure. Yeah. I'm just projecting right now, but um, I, I think it really had to do with who they brought in the relationship they could build and how he felt comfortable working with the guy. And I think he feels comfortable working with you. I think Cadillac knows that he wasn't ready for the full-time head of coaching job. I, I would, I would think that. Um, but I think, uh, you know, it, it did matter on who, who uh, 
was brought in and how his relationship was when they first met and stuff like that. And I think that played a large part in it. I think if you're an Auburn fan, you like seeing the approach that Freeze took with his coordinator hires. And it doesn't guarantee that it's going to work, but from a philosophical standpoint, I mean, Ron Roberts has the experience defending spread spread offenses, of course, and, and working with Dave Aranda in the Big 12. And then obviously what he was able to do, you know, turning around Louisiana's defense with Billy Napier. And then the Phil Montgomery hire makes a lot of sense, even though, yeah, he's fired as a head coach. He's still somebody that has a ton of experience calling plays. He called plays for RG3 at Baylor. And he's got this experience running this modern offense, which is becoming more and more prevalent with those air raid principles, the Baylor principles that, that's becoming more and more popular in the SEC. How should Auburn fans kind of feel a, about these moves? I think they're good moves. I think uh, Hugh took his time making, excuse me, the right hire. I think uh, the Philip Montgomery one they should be excited about. I still think Hugh should call plays. I think that mm-hmm. is what most loves to do. Uh, I told him that personally. I said, I think, because after the BYU game in October, he said he was so pumped the next day. He was like, I was two steps ahead of him the entire time. And he was just so excited about that. And I think that's what he loves the most about coaching, uh, among among other things. But I think he loves calling plays. I think bringing Montgomery with his experience in the Big 12 is very, very helpful, especially, uh, like you said, coaching RG3. And as far as as Roberts, I mean, uh, it's kind of wait and see. I mean, you know, Auburn fans, you know, his his name isn't that big, I would say. Uh, but I believe that if Hugh hired him, I think he's the right guy because I trust Hugh to do the right thing. I think uh, he did his, you know, all the research and stuff like that, did, the, you know, thorough interviews and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, I think I think this uh, team will work out. I think it's, it's going to be huge for Auburn to have a coordinator that more than one year <laughs> because that's been a problem in the past. Uh, especially on offense, um, so and defense, I guess the last two or three years, and um, yeah, I think uh, some some stability would be huge for this program, and uh, yeah, I think it, I think they'll turn out to be good hires. That's the key word, stability. I mean, yeah. they've just been a revolving door yeah. of coordinators. Everybody talks, everybody thinks that Auburn's a revolving door of head coaches. That actually hasn't yeah. been the case if you kind of look at it throughout the course of the, the 21st century. But the, the revolving door of offensive coordinators, man, it's just like you need some stability. And to be honest with you, I would love it if you took – and I'll, I'll disagree with you. I, I think – I think his he is best suited to take a little bit of the big picture role the yeah. way that Lane does, the way that Josh Heupel does, because that's kind of the way that you need to operate to be able to to run some of these tempo schemes. And yeah, Hugh's got a great background calling plays. He absolutely does. But if you put Philip Montgomery kind of in that role, you know, Alex Golish type role, what Charlie Weiss Jr. was this year at Ole Miss, what Jeff Levy was last year at Ole Miss, I think that's kind of the best way to maximize their potential. But that's that's going to be a give and take as well. Okay, kind well, of figuring out what works. And Hugh's going to get time to be able to figure out what works because the previous regime didn't have any sort of identity. No, so it it's is. automatically going to be better. <laughs> and, and I think the only thing is he needs to decide. I mean, there will be a give and take, but Auburn fans are so sick of the years of Malzahn where he was calling plays or wasn't calling plays. Yep. Back and forth, and he brought in Chad Moore's, then he brought in – Lindsay and Chip Lindsay and stuff like that. And we never knew who was calling the plays. And uh, I think he needs to stay away from that. And, um, but I think he will. And I think uh, the spring will be huge. I think uh, to figure out how to, you know, maneuver around that. And uh, yeah, I think uh, bringing Montgomery is a really good, good choice by him. 
I think a lot of those uh, expectations for power five head coaches have, have changed even more. So there's more urgency than ever with the way that the portal is set up with the way that NIL is set up. And you can kind of overhaul a roster very quickly. And by year two, if you haven't overhauled that roster, it's probably a sign that you're not doing enough with the transfer portal. And it's maybe too much of a one-way street. And while we don't judge year one coaches on this podcast, we definitely judge them on year two. What do you think expectations should be for Auburn for those first two years? Not for that first year, because that could be a little bit all over the place, but by year two, what should we be talking about with Hugh Freeze at Auburn? I think they should be competing for the SEC West. I think anything uh, besides that is uh, is wrong. I mean, I think it's something is a mistake because uh, you saw what LSU could do with Brian Kelly in the transfer portal. You saw what Judge Heupel could do at Tennessee. Uh, there, there's no excuse that Auburn, you know, right up there with Tennessee and LSU's programs, uh, can, can't do that. Can't do the same thing and uh, uh, bring in a few transfer portal kids that make an impact, or maybe several of them. And uh, get get the right quarterback. Maybe uh, there's there's a uh, visit, very interesting quarterback visiting this weekend in Grayson McCall. So uh, if get him and you know the sky, I mean the, you know the sky's the limit for this program. And um, yeah, I think year two uh, they should be competing for SEC West because uh, other than that, he won't be meeting expectations. What what do you think Auburn's going to do with the quarterback situation? Because you you bring up the McCall visit. My opinion. And I did a list of the the top ten portal quarterbacks that are, that were available. And at the time, McCall wasn't in the portal yet. I think I'd have him at number two on that list, only behind Devin Leary. And it might scare some teams off because the system's really unique, or whatever. But I just look at what that guy's done for the last three years in a very unique system and the decision making yeah. that he's had. And not not just as a runner, not just as a passer, but like. I'm kind of like, man, this guy should have everybody that has any sort of need at the quarterback position should be looking at a guy like Grayson McCall. So do you think that Auburn is ultimately going to go with somebody like that? Do you think that Hugh Freeze is going to take a little bit more of the Brian Kelly approach where he's very conservative about the portal QBs? If the right one opens up, then he would go for that. If not, it's Robbie Ashford. Is he dead set? I'm moving on for Robbie Ashford. Like, how do you see all this playing out? I think I think they'll go all out for Grayson McCall. I think Hugh has faced them. He knows how how good he is, how um, efficient he is. I mean, I think 78 touchdowns to eight interceptions, which is crazy in this yeah. crazy stats. And uh, I think he's the type of quarterback that could really do well in Hughes' system. I mean, is it the same system as Jamie Chavell? No, but I mean, they have very good systems at both schools. So uh, I think they'll go all out for him. If not, I mean, can Robbie Ashford be the man? I don't understand why not. I mean, we saw what Hugh could do with Malik Willis, who couldn't hit the broadside of a barn when he first got to Liberty. And then he turned into a superstar. And I kind of see the same thing in Robbie Ashford. They're both athletic. They both can run. Uh, Ashford showed in the Iron Bowl that he can pass a little bit, especially on that touchdown pass to Javarius Johnson. But I, I think they go all in for uh, Grayson McCall and try to get him and uh, win immediately. One day, I think that we're going to put Brian Harson in the same category as guys like Brady Hoke, Greg Schiano, um, Mike Riley. That is yeah. like guys who could be really great coaches yeah. at a very specific school, but you put yes. them in that bigger time program, and it's kind of like, oh boy, there's some cracks in the foundation here. Oh, what do you think? What's next for for Brian Harson? I don't know. He's got fifteen million dollars to 
Well, he hasn't got paid yet. That's the th that's the interesting thing. I don't know if Auburn's going through lawyers to see if he, they could fire him with uh, uh, cause because what? They, they still haven't paid the guy. He was due half of half of the buyout after thirty days after the firing, and he still hasn't got paid. So, that's interesting. Yeah. So huh. uh, until I know that was the case until up to the last week, and it had already been thirty days. So I don't know if he hasn't got paid yet. I don't know why. Um, maybe there's some lawyers involved. Maybe a reduced buyout. I, I have no idea what's going on. But um, yeah, that's something that you uh, to pay attention to. Uh, but as for Harson, yeah, he was never a good fit here. He never bought into the system. He never bought into SEC what it took to win. He never bought into the fan base. He never bought into his players. And it was it was just a it was a sham of a coaching hire. I will say that it was just awful. Um, just seeing it up front and personal. Um, it was just, it, it got worse and worse and worse until they couldn't do anything any longer. So they had to get rid of him. And uh, yeah, he could be a good coach, maybe out West um, where the light's not on you the entire time. But um, yeah, I wish him nothing. I, mean, I have nothing against the guy, but um Wish him the best, man. I, that's all I can say because, I mean, I really didn't get to know him. He didn't really get to know the beat here. Um, well, he gave you guys hats, so. Oh, we and T-shirts, by the way. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, which I gave to my friend Tate, but um, I didn't want to wear it. Uh, but, um, yeah, I, I think he, he'll go on to be successful. He's still young. He's like 45. Yeah. So, um, I think he'll go on to uh, – does the – tenure at Auburn kind of hurt I think it does his his reputation I think it people saw what happened after he got let go the players were not so subtle in saying there's a new energy we're having fun again things like that and uh it was not so subtle shots at uh Harson and maybe some of his staff that left with him from Boise so um yeah I think uh, he has a bright future ahead of him I think he can be a good offensive coach somewhere and um Live his life. I mean, he has fifteen million dollars to live with. Or he should soon, soon. <laughs> maybe, maybe. How do we find this information out? Because I'm thinking to myself, do do coaches don't just tweet, "Hey, just got that thirty day check. We're good." I, like I we don't know. Somebody, I think somebody has this, uh, access to uh, the Auburn University uh, account or something. Okay, so that's that's your new that's your homework right there. Yeah, there, there is there is nothing that the people on the bunker or message board can't do. <laughs> I have learned because as soon as I got hired, there were pictures of me like from like 2008 on the board. I'm like, what is going on here? So 2008, did you have, were you still rocking the buzz in 2008 too? The buzz cut? Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't do anything with my hair. My hair grows so fast. I have to do it like every week and a half. So uh, yeah. Plus I got to show what that pretty scar I have from diving into a pool head first thinking it was the deep end, but it was really the shallow end. And, happens uh, to the best of us. My mom did did something very similar. It's like yeah. scar, like permanent scar for. Yeah. Although she hit hers on the diving board, so it's a little bit different. Oh. But you, you, the fact that you're willing to to roll with that and just like yeah, just just roll with it. You know, I don't like my hair, so I just keep it short. Plus, it, yeah, wake up in the morning, I don't have to, I don't have to do anything. So there you go. Hey, 
I was buzz cut for the first 22 years of my life. Billy Napier is trying to bring it back, make it more yeah. popular. Travis Kelsey is doing yeah. that's like the fade a little bit, but you know, it's, it's I think Jabari Smith has it because of me. Maybe true. Good point. I mean, well, you have to keep up with the, the Cohen look. I, I do. You know, he's actually trying to keep up with me at this point. That's true. Um, yeah, that's that's right. Yeah, that's he, right. yeah. He's trying to keep up with like the grooming of the beard and all those different things. Like he he's got to get a little bit. He's got a little bit too much of the the neck beard going, and he's oh, okay. trying to he's trying to groom it a little bit better. That, that's just the the vibes I'm getting from him. We'll we'll, we'll get on the the same page, I think, to be able to. Who's, who's the guy? Who looks like uh, James Franklin. Oh, uh, um, Keegan Michael Key. Yeah. Have you ever thought about doing that, something like that, going into a meeting with that Cohen's supposed to speak at and impersonating him? Here's the problem. He's like 6'2". Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, your boy's 5'8". So um, yeah. they would they would get one look and it would just be like, all right, the, the jig is it's up. Not him. <laughs> no, no. In a sitting scenario, and that's why I took that picture of us sitting down. Yeah. I yeah. have two pictures on my phone. There's one picture where, where we're sitting down and we're, you know, we're in the, you know, the Kentucky facility and I took that selfie. And then there's the picture of us standing up and it, when we're standing, you see like a very clear difference in like body type and all those different things. Yeah. And I'm like, oh yeah, this is just a, this is a facial thing and absolutely nothing else. Yeah. Well, you still have that. You still exactly. have that. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, all right. Last one for you. We're both Cub fans. We're also both Malik Willis fans. I think we are the two leaders of the Malik Willis bandwagon. Like, oh, no yeah. question. Oh, absolutely. So we're, we're, we're still, we're, we're still riding the, the Malik Willis bandwagon. We have not gotten off of it just yet. So what happens first, the Cubs make it to a world series or Malik Willis makes it to a Super Bowl. Well, you know, I have no faith in the Ricketts. Exactly. Um, God, I can't stand those guys. Especially the Korea thing, the way that played out. I know that deal was ridiculous that he got uh, from the from the Giants, but still, it's like, come on, man, swing for the fences once. 2016 was so great, but it seems so far ago. Yeah, it does. Anyway, I'm going to go with Malik Willis makes the Super Bowl. I hate I to was, say, I, I mean, we we live we have one in our lifetime. So I was living in Chicago at the time. It was great. Uh, really, I didn't know. Yeah, that. yeah. I I'm in a commercial. I mean, the Harry Carey's uh, Budweiser commercial. What? That commercial is like the best thing that came out of that. You were in the single best piece of content that came out of that. That was like a sponsored, you know, ad or something like that. I'm in there like three different times. Oh, my God. Because I was I had a broken heel. So I was in a cast and my local bar was Harry Carey's, the original one on Dearborn and Kinsey. So my the bartenders would save me a seat during the World Series and during the playoffs. And they were recording during game six and seven, I think. And it was kind of annoying because the cameras were right in your face. And they hired actors. They gave some seats to some actors at the bar. And it was kind of annoying. That was kind of annoying as well. But I'll, I'll get past that. But, yeah, I'm in that like three times. I'll send you the link, man. You're the everyman. Yeah, I'm, I'm the every person. Like one time I looked so distressed or distressed out that you think I'm about to, uh, you know, murder someone. Because I think I was if Auburn or if the Cubs would have lost because yet game seven, I was so I, I couldn't eat that day. Could not oh. eat that day. I, I never want to relive that feeling ever. No, ever. no, ever. Like when that home run went over the wall and the Rajay Davis. Oh, I was about to puke. I really was. 
I, I, that, that is one of the very few times in my life that I have dropped to my knees and just collapsed yeah. and been like, this, this just can't be real. This just, just yeah. don't tell me this is real. If this, if this ends up going like the way that this is playing out right now, yeah. I, I'm just going to take two years off of sports. I, just, I might score off sports, but and moved to like Bolivia, right? I couldn't even follow it. Fun place. Yeah, I, I hear it as well. I, I don't know where it is, but <laughs> it's somewhere down there. It is. Brian, this has been great, man. Really appreciate the time. We'll talk soon. Hey, absolutely. Thanks, man. Let's take you into the weekend with some favorite Mike Leach memories. Um, a bucket list experience that I saw um, people like Spencer Hall, Dennis Dodd, the, the things that they got to do. Join Leach for a a weekend in Key West. That would have been incredible. incredible. You know, it's crazy that he never coached in Florida. I was talking about that with my boys the other day. He just never made his way down to like even like an FAU or somewhere like while he was out of football because that is one of the most Florida men I've ever seen. He really is. It's kind of funny to think about how he really developed this this association with Key West, it was very widely known that that's mm-hmm. where he was going to spend his downtime. That's where he would, you know, have athletic directors come down and try and woo him to be able to, to get a job. I mean, like mm-hmm. that's, I mean, there was, I remember reading the system and uh, Bill Moose, who was the athletic director most recently at Nebraska before that he was the athletic director at Washington state and his pursuit of Leach to get him to come all the way to, to Pullman, was like just going down Key West, making this sell to Leach. Like you, you, you either rode a bike or you walked. You didn't drive a car down there or anything like that. And you were just in Leach's world. And like John Cohen did the same thing. He just like went down to Leach's world mm-hmm. and was like, "All right, I got to make this pitch. This guy's like chilling here in paradise. I've got to make this sell to this guy to come all the way up to Pullman or come to Starkville or something like that." While you're surrounded by this, and you're just like. This guy who, I mean, think about it. Like, think about being in, in a situation like that where you, you're able to say to yourself, I'm good. I don't need to do anything. Yeah, I mean, the initial answer for both had to be no, right? Like, they pull up and like, hey, I'm this person. Like, how's it going? No, I don't want to go to Pullman. I don't want to start really <laughs> slams the door in their face. All right, no, 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 no. Hold on. No, we're going to talk about this. We got this defensive <laughs> coordinator. Hold on. Just hold on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, think about it, though. Like, if – Leach had not given us a a second chapter, you mm-hmm. know, a post AM chapter after the nasty fallout, you know, the, the Craig James stuff and the lawsuit, that whole thing. Like, you know, imagine if we had never gotten that second and third chapter from him and how much different we'd be talking about him right now if he had just spent the last decade plus hanging out, you know, in Key West. And, you know, his last hurrah, his two last hurrahs were so entertaining to be able to watch in this chapter at Washington state. And even though it was only three years in Mississippi state, I feel like we still got some, some great moments. And I guess we have, we got Bill Moose to thank for that, for bringing him out, just get him to leave paradise to go all the way up to Pullman, like literally as far as way far as far away as you could possibly be mm-hmm. from Key West to go to Pullman, Washington. It's incredible. I love like the, the NFL guys that think they're like too good for college football because I mean Leach started Minshew Mania. You know what I'm saying? Like up at Washington State, like yeah. the, the video of him like slapping the mustache on Mike Leach and everything. And like like that whole thing from the NFL and college both, like that was also in that second act, to your point. How much do you think a weekend with Leach in Key West would go for? If that if you could just if he was if if you found out, oh Le- you just get this this weekend with Leach and he's healthy. 
and you just get to do all the things that he does down there, go to his favorite restaurants, talk about whatever you could possibly do. You fly in on a Friday, which how fitting is it that Leach spent all this time in a place that's so difficult to get to? Even for me living in Orlando, it's really difficult to get all the way down. It's like, that's the point. It's exactly. like he doesn't want to be got to. He's exactly. like, hey. I, I think it would go for 50 grand at least. I was about to say, I would put myself in debt to go hang out. <laughs> Se- severe debt. I was like, hey, like, come on now. It's not cheap down there. I was looking at it yeah. for like a, a baby moon with, with Lauren and I down there. And it was like 500 bucks a night. I'm like, ah, that's, we're not, we're not making that happen. That's, right. that's not going to happen. But yeah, Leach, Leach had his own world. So let's, let's go to the Saturday Down South podcast, Facebook group. A um, lot of great responses here. Thank you to everybody for sharing these. Uh, let's start with this one from Grant Haney. Nothing beats the time he turned a fan at a Texas Tech game into the Red Raiders kicker. Coach Leach didn't need a transfer portal, just a fan from the stands. Okay, so true story. Monday morning when I'm, you know, I'm listening to all the Leach content I possibly can, just kind of, you know, brushing up on some things, some stories that I might have forgotten about over the years. I stumbled upon that that 60-minute story from 2008. Mm-hmm. And in this, that, that part is, is mentioned where – Matt Williams is just this this random Texas Tech fan in the stands who's college age, comes mm-hmm. down on the field for this halftime contest where you have to make a field goal from the 20-yard line. So it's like a, you know, what, 30, 30 something yard kick. And it's it's essentially like, hey, you do this, you get a couple of months of free rent from Linwood Townhomes, right? <laughs> yeah. And the kid, if you watch the clip, I mean, he just freaking drills it. And so Leach has a, a starting kicker who's got the yips and he can't make his extra points. So he's mm-hmm. like, all right, I'm going to have one of my staffers track this kid down, see what his deal is, see if he's got eligibility left. Sure enough, brings him on the team. Leach decides, I'm not going to call you Matt Williams. I'm going to call you Ed Linwood. <laughs> he just liked the name Ed. He's like, that's a strong, solid name. I'm going to call you Ed. And then mm-hmm. Linwood for Linwood Townhomes. A guy becomes a Texas Tech starting kicker for three years, and he missed like one extra point in his entire career. And this kid was just like cool as a cucumber. But that was Leach's logic was seeing in this moment with all these people watching him, he just looked like he'd done that a million times before. And he's like, if he can do that, he can come, he can come play for us. That's about as pressure packed as the situation is it's going to get. So yeah, that's the story of Ed Linwood. Talent evaluator, Mike Leach. And he did something like kind of similar to that state, like last year yeah. where they had like a really bad, he was like, Hey, show up. Like if you think you can beat this guy, cause he's not the good. Like I, I love that. It's just everything's out of the box. Yeah. Just don't, you don't have to overthink these things. You don't need to see him at the Coles kicking camp or all these different things. Just like bring him out there, see how he performs. And look, that's, that's as good of an indicator as any, I can imagine. That's your only job. Kick footballs. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's go to this one from Katie Estes. Katie says uh, he went on Clay Travis's podcast in March of 2020 and gave his opinions on Tiger King. And it was so fun during such weird and scary times. Leach still knew how to entertain us. He was my favorite personality in all of college football. And he is already so missed. Mm-hmm. I missed Leach's thoughts on Tiger King. Remember Tiger King? Man. <laughs> What a time. That goes back to my COVID example. Is that it feels like it was 10 years ago, but it was like two and some change. Yeah. I don't I don't remember hearing about what Leach had to say about Tiger King, but I, I any any opinions on that subject, they're making the rounds probably. Um mm-hmm. I don't think anybody had perfectly normal opinions about Tiger King, but yeah, hearing Leach go off about something like that. Cause that, that wasn't too far from Lubbock, if I'm not mistaken, right? Like it was in Oklahoma. Yeah. 
Oh, that's that's right. But wasn't there? Oh no, that's West Texas. Okay, I just totally botched the state of Texas in my geography in my head. I'm trying to think back. I'm just proud of myself for knowing the location of Tiger King on a queue. I'm like the Texas Tech kicker. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that was definitely Oklahoma, way off the mark. But yeah, I'm sure. Uh, I'm, I'm sure Leach Leach definitely had plenty of thoughts about that show and watched it like on the very first day. Just binged all of it, mm-hmm. no doubt whatsoever. Um, okay, Corey Puckett shared, and a couple of people shared this: the untold story of Mike Leach's lost uh, OU play script that fooled mm-hmm. Texas. I love that he did this. That was like a Sonny Dykes, Dana Holgerson thing that mm-hmm. they would do where they try and leave the playbook behind the, this fake script and see if the other team would be reacting to that on the first few plays. And when you're that confident in your offense, I guess you can just have that kind of swag and just pull stuff like that. And Leach was never that staff. Just think about a like a staff that just doesn't take their themselves too seriously between Leach, Sonny Dykes, Dana Holgerson, like, it's just some dudes, some lads right there. That's a good like drinking. Uh, was it like dream dream blood rotation? Like I would love to hear those guys just like chopping up in the locker room. I bet they've had one or two of those, just a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's good. I wish I wish type of that type of stuff could still. I feel like that that's that's still pretty rare to see something like that these days. Like you got to worry about how how other people would react to that and. I don't know. It just feels like we're a little bit more sensitive to stuff like that. We can't we can't have fun in that same sort of way. Like that would be some sort of NCAA violation or something like that. But like we don't even release you know, depth charts and injury reports. So who cares? Yeah, and that was the best part is watching the college football world go from this goofy, weird world to like a very serious, like over serious world. And Mike Leach just stayed goofy and unserious the entire time. And you could see like he was like disappointed in people. Like he could get mad. Like it wasn't like he was chill all the time, but it was like, bro, what are we doing here? Like this is football. Like what? Are, like that's the thing. It's like you get him talking about history. Or, like I hate to say things that matter, but like world events, and that's where you like really dig in. But whatever you kind of see him like get asked about like the the topic du jour about like whatever people are mad about in college you should be like cool man anything else yeah, literally anything else <laughs> this one from uh from thomas roy's a classic uh his interview about which pac-12 team mascot would be victorious in a battle to the death yes incredible clip i believe he had it narrowed down to the wildcats and the sun devils but wasn't sure on the sun devils powers that harry potter researchers would have to investigate the magical properties of what a sun devil is capable of correct on that i think he said the wildcat was toast Mm -hmm. i'm pretty sure he was very pessimistic about that he was most optimistic he said the bruin would be formidable (laughs) the the cougar would find a way (laughs) yeah the cougar would be scrappy you know just figure out a way to, to to kind of hang on. He's like, the duck would probably just wander off and do its own thing, lose interest. Beaver, probably not going to last a whole lot. But the buffalo, there's yes, another one. The buffalo. buffalo. <laughs> you get that sucker with a head of steam. Ralphie, Ralphie ain't messing around, man. That's mm-hmm. as yeah, that's that's something, you know, we talked about here, too. Uh, whatever you had. Um, oh, what was the Colorado coach? Mike McIntyre. Yeah. Yes. It's like, yeah, Ralphie is like underratedly chaotic. Scary. Yes. <laughs> Like the first time Dion runs out with Ralphie, look out. Oh my God. Thank you for that image. I, I'm going to be looking for that. Like Dion looking like cool and calm. There's Ralphie just like acting a fool behind him. I can't wait for that. How have we not had a Ralphie Dion race yet? That would be good, man. You have to get Ralphie like really focused though. Because if you wanted it off, it'd be over. Anyway. It's focused on the, on the, you know, 
the the pregame ritual I, mm-hmm. focused enough. I mean, everybody still fears death, but focused <laughs> enough. Everybody still fears death. Yeah, uh, what 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 they go the leaps take? I think, uh, and everybody's kind of like done their tributes, but I I love the uh, swing your sword, like what uh, Texas Tech has done, and you know it is like looking back at that, you know, it's good that they've all kind of like put that past them and everything, because like the way that that got solved with Craig James and everything at the time, it feels like weird how that ended. I mean, he could have been the guy who stayed there another ten years, obviously. Um, but point being, like, it's cool that everyone's kind of come together and like the good parts of it. But I just love trying to get one of those hoodies, like the swing your sword under armor hoodie that looks so sick. That's good. That's really good. Yeah, those will be this. I, he had that trademarked. I want to say that was so the title of his book that he like wrote too. Yeah, right. The the Bruce Feldman book, the very famous mm-hmm. Bruce Feldman book that he wrote with Leach. Yeah, I'm sure he has that trademarked somewhere, somewhere. I mm-hmm. I would imagine. Uh, Matthew Sadro, very iconic Leach image. The the picture after the Washington State game um, with Leach and Gardner Minshew and the and the fake mustache just iconic the fact that it's it'd be weird if it was on perfectly straight right mm-hmm. the fact that it's crooked is so much better <laughs> it's amazing <laughs> that was the uh it's like woodstock everybody's got the, everyone's got their clothes on yeah. <laughs> leech and Minshew was in many ways kind of the the perfect summation of what he was for the last two decades. I mean, it, it, think about that. Like we talked about it a lot way back in the pot, like back in 2018, when we were wondering if Gardner Minshew was going to transfer to Alabama and if he was <laughs> going to be a backup for Tua and Jalen Hurts. And Mike Leach told him, hey, instead of being a third string quarterback, why don't you come up here to Pullman and lead the nation in passing? It's incredible. And then he did. And then he was awesome. And he ends up making a bunch of NFL money. But that's like, the epitome of who Leach was and why he was never one that was going to be like, oh, four-star quarterback, got to get him on board. Just give me the accurate quarterback. Give me a guy that's got the tools that I know that I can work with. I don't care about arm strength. He always talked about how the protection wasn't going to hold for that long anyway. So who cares if a guy can throw it, you know, 40 yards versus 60 yards or whatever. Mm-hmm. As long as you can make those throws within those windows that I'm asking you to do, that's the most important thing. And Gardner Minshew was that guy, had a little bit of grit, had a little bit of that running ability too, which was fun to watch. But man, that year was fun. That might've been, gosh, Nah, 2008. I was going to say it was 2018 Apex Mountain for Mike Leach. 2008. 2008. Yeah, because if I remember correctly, there was like a three-way tie in the Big 12. It was like Texas with Colt McCoy, Oklahoma with Sam Bradford. And then he obviously um, had Graham Harrell and Michael Crabtree and those boys. And like that was that was the game that made it a three-way tie and obviously like cleared the path. And so, yeah, that that's just like that's the mark, right? Upset lives. Do you remember where you watched that 2008 game, the, the, um, the Texas-Texas Tech game? Yeah, I was just in my bedroom in uh, Hoover. But that was like, like I said, that was the year that I changed schools, didn't have a lot of friends, just watch college football every weekend. And I was just locked into that. Like, this is it, bro. Like, wouldn't play in NCAA that night. It was like, yeah. yes. Gotta be Texas Tech. Yeah. Yeah. Just gotta, gotta get color scheme, rate. too. He's had elite color schemes throughout. Anyway. Gosh, well, Washington State. Eh. Crimson. I like and the gray. silver there. I like it, the silver. I don't know. Silver, gray. Uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe we. I'm not the biggest maroon guy. That's going to come off in the wrong way. I don't have anything against you, Mississippi State fans. We're just not a big maroon guy. Pretty similar color scheme that he's had kind of throughout his career. Maybe it's mm-hmm. led to the the personal brand. Couldn't picture Mike Leach being a guy to wear like a bunch of green or a bunch of purple. Mm-hmm. Can't see that. Maybe blue, but red and blue, black. That's about it. Solid colors for Mike Leach. Although, if there's anybody that with his personality that could pull off a unique out of a, out of nowhere color, I guess it's him. But 
I don't know. I digress. Speaking of Mike Leach wearing green, without a doubt, the most chaotic story is this like word salad. I don't know if you heard this, but Lebetard was talking about this and they, I mean, that they know everything about Miami. Uh, Mike Ryan said it, so I know it was true. And I looked it up and apparently uh, before all the political stuff, uh, Donald Trump would cut out stuff out of newspapers and like highlight it and send it to people. And whenever they hired, whenever they uh, fired, who's their coach? Like uh, Randy Shannon, whenever they fired Randy Shannon, he like sent a message to Don just like, it was like hire Mike Leach. He would work so well here. And they didn't hire Al Golden. He did it a second time to try to get Mike Leach in the Miami. And Gina Shalala was like with the queen of Miami. So she didn't want to hear it, but that would have been like a crazy sliding doors moment if they had actually taken up that offer. And like he'd been in Miami because that. Seems like it would have been a really good fit and it would have been better than what they did um, anyway. But it, it's just funny that it's like he, every, he touched everybody, like all of these random people just had a story. Wait, so when would that have been? Would that have been like uh, 20? Are we talking like 2010? Yeah, like right that was right? one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So like two separate times to hire Two separate Leach. times. <laughs> it was like hire Mike Leach. And I'm sure that completely took him out of the running. They're just really like knew better than everybody. But yeah, I mean. Yeah. That would have been a great hire considering where he was coming from and everything. And like, they obviously haven't really even found stability now. So like, it's crazy that we never got to see him at one of those programs, but at the same time, I think that was his choice. I'm sure he had lots of offers and he was just like, I don't want to deal with this crap. He was at Oklahoma or was, was he, was he at, no, 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 no. He had like a job for a year and he was just like, I'm out of here. Well, Oklahoma was the OC job that he won a national championship. I'm with. thinking of Howard Schnellenberger. My bad. He was at Oklahoma for a year. They both were at Oklahoma for a year, but one was a head coach. But yes, I think he, I'm sure he had lots of big power offers. And like, I'm sure, I'm sure at some point, Tennessee reached out to this dude with all these like, like power jobs that have been, and he's just like, no. Oh, for sure. T- Tennessee, yeah, the 20, the, um, the 2017 search and the way that that all unfolded with John Curry flying mm-hmm. out to Mike Leach and, you know, trying to offer him a job that he wasn't able to offer. And then the, yeah. Crew, the get him fired like that whole thing happened and that yeah, was like, for mike leach i knew i remembered that yeah like it's it's just funny that he like made that consistent effort to not be at these jobs that everybody tries to leave places to go to he was like i don't want to be anywhere and you know what's crazy i learned that the college football hall of fame has this weird little thing where you have to have over a 60 percent win percentage to be even eligible and so that's why i was thinking about schnellenberger because he doesn't have it either because he was at fau and right. so both of those two guys just are not going to be hall of famers based on the college football unless they unless the hall changes their criteria or makes an exception it's like that seems ridiculous because they were both program builders yeah I, if if you're trying to tell the story of mike leach based on his overall record and comparing it to other coaches like you're, you're, you're lacking doing so wrong. much context you don't get it yeah that's that's absurd like you know, and I brought up this point all week, and I've probably said it at some point during this podcast, but the, the guy had 13 seasons of eight wins at Texas Tech, Washington State, and Mississippi State. Like, mm-hmm. come on. I mean, that's that is so hard to do. I, I think we take for granted what an eight and four year looks like because it's kind of, you know, we make jokes about it with AM and we talk about it. Like it's, you know, such an easy thing to be able to do at some of these places. And if it was, you know, Georgia going eight and four every single year, it'd be like, oh my God, with that talent. But with Leach, it's just a totally different story to be able to do that at three different schools to have those eight win seasons, which of course he was able to get over the hump and do that this year at Mississippi State. But yeah, um, it was fun to look back on some, all those different Leach things. I hope we, we, we did his legacy justice. I'm excited for that bowl game. The plan is for me to be able to, to be there in Tampa uh, mm-hmm. that day so looking forward to that spending some time with the good old pirate down at raymond james stadium the pirate ship they gotta have they gotta have the That's... big flag logo yeah they got that would be it. fire um i want to say two things real quick uh like his you know because it was it was pretty sudden how this happened and just the finale that made me think of a couple of things so uh number one man go to the game like whenever you're like oh i don't know like if i should go to that i don't know if i can make this work 
we went for my birthday with like Drew Page and, and Brady and everybody, and we got to see Mike Leach. We got to see him in person, and that was the first time, obviously, I had ever seen him because COVID and everything. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so lucky that I actually got to see that, see that offense in person. Um, then the other thing is like, this is bad. I know there's like we're talking about college kids and everything, but the one dude that transferred and had that one message about like, yeah, and I guess I'm not Dylan fast Johnson. or strong enough. Yeah. It's like, bro. I know you want to be cool and you want to get the moment. We always talk about that. Like everybody today is like trying to win the moment. It's like, bro, sometimes you just need to leave it alone because I'm sure that guy feels terrible right now. I know he didn't know. I know, but you just never know if your last sentiment towards someone is the last one. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's sometimes winning that moment isn't worth it. Sometimes showing respect is the move because you just never know what someone's going through. And obviously with Lee, she was going through a little bit more than we thought. So yeah, it's just, uh, like I said, it was shocking, man. And it just makes you think. Life is precious. Seize the moment. Appreciate people and uh yeah enjoy enjoy each and every day and you know be yourself in a way i mean maybe maybe nobody can be themselves as much as mike leach was himself mm-hmm. but man he was he definitely was and he will be missed all right so if you have not leave us a five-star review subscribe to this podcast join the facebook group your name red on air with figuring out or bold and brash thanks guys talk soon